Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you. And welcome to another Euro League. You'll see a nice little pretty four cam that we've uh, managed to bring back from the dead. Haven't had uh, two guests on for a while. And I'm going to pretend that it was, you know, beautifully organised well ahead of time. But the reality is little rascals keep cancelling on us. So it is what it is. You'll notice how I sort of hesitated there as I said the word rascal because I was thinking of a slightly different word to begin with. But anyway... Let's start with the patented Would You Rather, which is always a mainstay, never lets us down. Uh, and we do have to tackle it before we talk anything esports here. So very simple one for you guys today. A bit of a classic, if you like, actually. And I'm going to start with you, Dagda. Uh, All right. It goes as follows. <laughs> Would you rather fight to the death, only armed with a metal pipe, a silverback gorilla, a grizzly bear... Or a Bengal tiger? Oh. Uh, I'd imagine tiger. Like, I feel like I don't do anything against a silverback gorilla. It doesn't matter that I have a pipe. I just get ripped to shreds. <laughs> Grizzly bear also just absolutely covered me. Like, I don't feel like I do well against any of these. I feel like I just die. Well, but maybe, maybe that's the answer. Maybe it's not actually the case of, it's like, how quickly would I die to both? <laughs> so what's the least what's painful, the painful one is actually the correct answer to this conundrum. Um, yeah, I feel, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I get pummeled by a gorilla. So even then that's out of the question. Grizzly bear, yeah, I feel like a tiger goes for the juggler and just kills you immediately. So I go with tiger because I die quicker <laughs> is essentially the way I'm working with this one. I don't think I feel like I'd take any of these animals. Ye of little faith. <laughs> Ye of little faith. What, what about you, Sebastian Michaelis from Black Butler? That's you you didn't forget the anime intro. Of course, never, never. By the way, that show is super sus. There's a whole lot of age difference going on there. People who like that show should probably look into that, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Just again, that one out there. again uh, as much as I, you know, I am not a library of anime knowledge that is just plucked out of Google. So if there is any... I just oh, put I... anime in general there, by the way. If you're into that yeah. stuff in general, you might want to look into that. I, uh, I learned a new word the other day, which I will share with the audience. Any good Googling or whatever is on, you know, that's on on you. But I, <laughs> I, learned, I learned a new word the other day, which gave me a little bit of trauma once it was explained to me, called lollipop. Apparently that's applicable to a lot of anime. I don't know. Oh. No, don't it... you mean, wait, do you mean lollycon or lollipop? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Lolly something. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, don't <laughs> combine those two words in a Google search, I'd imagine. <laughs> or Bing or, you know, other search engines are available. Can we move on, uh, please? Yeah, let's... <laughs> please. <laughs> please. The YouTube uh... algorithm has just sent us like 300 like, meters down the Yeah, if anyone well. wants to like chat about, uh, you know, lollycon, the newest yeah. expert on this is, of course, Rich. You should, you should investigate that in his yeah. DMs. And Rich I wonder why people cancel on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Lolly Jesus well, Christ. Ask me the damn question, that. Rich. Any edible thing you put in your mouth, whatever. Anyway, Sebastian, oh, I didn't get an answer. Right. Yeah. So, um, extra detail here, which might be really important. What kind of terrain is it in? Like, is this oh, random terrain anything? This is really important, actually. Is this like a forested landscape? Is it grassland? It... In a UFC octagon. Oh. <laughs> Okay, um, can I jump out of the octagon? You may not. It's got a rush. <laughs> okay. It has it's a, hell of a cell. Like, 
Because yeah. so my first thoughts on that basically, if you're in a grassland or a forested land, tigers are such excellent ambush predators that there is absolutely no chance. But now I'm ba I was just trying to think if there's any niche way there is a chance of fighting. Obviously, bears try and climb trees really well. Gorilla is a death sentence wherever it is, so good luck with that. So go gorilla is is out if you want to win anything. What kind of bear is it? Grizzly bear. Grizzly bear, yeah. Those are the ones with. Wait. Oh, Nymera had wait. a counterplay for a polar bear. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so if, so if, it was, if it was a polar bear, yeah, fucking good night. Uh, if it's a grizzly bear, no. sometimes they ignore you if they think you're dead. No, no, they're going for you. This is a So it's a Nymera. So if it's a polar bear and it's also in a cold environment, you get the polar bear to lick the metal pipe and then it gets stuck. Exactly. So it can't exactly I, see it. Uh, you were thinking like, <laughs> you know the first season of yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh? Nothing about the claws. You know? you know the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh where they just do wild shit? It's like, attack the moon. That That's that's the type of thinking that we need to win this. Um, I I think it's, I think Tiger is the most, like, even if it's niche, there's a chance that you like ram the fucking metal pipe down the tiger's throat and maybe it chokes on it or something as it jumps at you. Um, or it does kill you the quickest. So it's win-win in either you have the... It's the it's the highest chance, even if it's infinitesimally small, of somehow winning. But also if you lose, at least like you don't have to wallow in misery too much. I'm actually going to align with Dagda on that one. So yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go tiger. Interesting, um, interesting. Yeah, there's, two, there's, no, there's no rules luring out of this. Very different reasoning. What about you, Kira? What are you going for? These all suck. Yes, that's the <laughs> yeah. point. But no, but I'll give you that. Okay, so grizzly bears just a no because it's just too big, right? Okay, the, it's size, mass. Like, there's a reason there's weight divisions, guys. Right? Okay, and that's weight division is like it's not even it's like three or uh, maybe about twice as heavy as the other Brock two animals. Brock Lesnar versus Mighty Mouse, right? Yeah, there. yeah. The, I'm pretty sure grizzly bears like heavier than the other two combined, almost. It's, it's really big. It's yep. fucking massive. Anyway, so grizzly bears out. Now you've got to choose between silverback, gorilla, and tiger. Now the thing is, is the reason you don't go for tiger, right? The Bengal tiger. It does not matter. Is because when it, the only way it's going to attack you is it's going to do a leap, right? It's going to do like a pounce. Okay. Now a pipe is not a spear, so. Even if you like, and you're not dodging that shit, right? So even <laughs> in the best thing, it is going to get its claws and jaws into you. So even if you do win, you're fucked. It's going, you're going to be Maybe left you can with massive it against punch. the wall. No, it, it's going to hit. Like it, you're going to get absolutely mauled. Now, I'm not saying the gorilla's the easiest, right? Because that is just like brute like strength. But and it does have like teeth that it can bite with as well. But it doesn't have claws, right? And the whole thing is, it's your like best chance because. The gorilla, you could go for the donk, like the the brain, like um, like caving, like the skull caving, because they're a bit like um humans, where they do actually have the soft like area on the skull where you like can hit it and I have like concave it. This, so, gorilla's your best chance, but they all suck majorly. So there was a guy, there was like a really bad dude in like the I don't know early 1900s something that lived in California, and there is a reason why we know the answer to who would win a fight between a lion and a bear. Because basically this dude held like heavyweight animal fights. Fucking reprehensible, don't get me wrong. But um, the bear will always win because it has a thicker skull. So the cats tend to have such a weak skull that, that they can never ever do any significant amount of damage because their head just gets caved in. Um, so yeah, tigers also might be on the on the bonk list there. Gonna gonna have to adjust my own answer then, because I was gonna go <laughs> for the bear, and here's what? my here's my reasoning. Bears right? have this really thick what... skulls. You, you basically well, yeah, that, so they're out now. So I was I was thinking definitely not the silverback, because the problem with a silverback is first 
the silverback will just take the pipe off you like imme- <laughs> yeah. immediately so that's just then you're in a then you're in a fist fight with the world's strongest fucking thing so that would be a bit shit whereas a bear or a tiger you know they're not going to disarm you they're just gonna you know whatever but so i was thinking oh it'll be the bear because one of two things will happen with the bear you know, I'm, I'm presenting it like it's some 50-50 proposition when really it's a 99-1. But one of two things will happen. Either the bear will basically just knock you out with its paw, like the first time it makes contact oh. with your head. In which case, you know, well, at that point, you're dead anyway. Like, you don't feel it, whatever, it's over. Or because it's, you know, the biggest and the most sort of the least graceful, let's say in that sense, maybe you do get a few blows to the head and you can kind of knock it out, but Nymera's kind of put that one to bed. I guess guess that's never happened. I'm so sorry for disarming you of your one, like... Yeah. glimpse of hope <laughs> no no i'm see i'm more confident I'm, I'm i'm now i've re-angled my delusion to thinking i can now beat the tiger with the pole <laughs> so the metal pipe so yeah i'm going tiger for sure i think i think really i think actually realistically if you were like if there were three cages in front of you and you got given this big metal pipe and someone said right you get to pick which one i'm going to release i think most people would pick the tiger purely yeah. based on like the immediate size and like visual sort of aspect mm. of like i reckon i could take him obviously you'll be shitting bricks but i think that would be like you know the mindset whereas if you look at the grizzly bay you're like well, what the fuck like hell no i think if one i was gonna say if, i think if you any of the others hit you your bones just become dust immediately yeah. at least the bengal tiger would try to like snap your achilles or something or and they, like go they for like swipe, a bite of the leg and you can yeah. you got a chance they swipe yeah. like sort of you know horizontally rather than putting tons of mass behind you know yeah. a big blow ah, i don't know i think actually kira's right on this they tend to leap at you and they tend to kind of like do this enveloping kind of like leap um they kind nimera of like stop ruining fight. everything stop ruining <laughs> I'm sorry. angles I have, for I victory exactly. but they, if they're animals. open like this that's just head bonk territory yeah. they're undefended it is you know? until it crushes <laughs> your skull right i'm gonna do i'm gonna do the nimera but the reverse delusional version which is well actually the tiger's gonna jump at me but i know he's gonna jump so i'm gonna pre-swing and connect with his head first time <laughs> and knock him out there you go. Easy. Easy, Victor. Almost too easy. Maybe I'd pick the silverback just for a bit more of a challenge, to be quite frank. Uh, <laughs> anyway, right. Enough of that. Let's talk all things esports and indeed all things LEC. Now, I don't want to focus too much on the teams that I feel like are fairly safe and there's not like necessarily that many interesting matchups this week, which have huge ramifications. So, for example, we're not going to talk about SK on this show today. We did talk about them before. We probably won't talk too much about MAD, but maybe, obviously, you know, in the context of matchups and so on. Uh, but a team I do want to start with, because they are involved in multiple matchups this week, which do have huge ramifications, is Rogue, who play K Corp. They also play Giant X. And these, I think, are the three teams who are most in danger of not making the playoffs or whatever we decide. Is it called playoffs now? Like GSL? Yeah, it's I just playoffs. Call, okay, just playoff. called playoffs. Yeah, fuck it, playoffs. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. combined groups and then playoffs into it's just, one It's whole just a double elimination yeah. bracket now. It's right. just a BO3 into BO5, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, let's, it's, it's playoffs. Right, so yeah, let's talk a, a little bit about Rogue before talking about these uh, specific matchups. Obviously, not looking too hot. Uh, Markoon seems to have just fallen off a complete cliff since his original debut split um and then it's kind of trended a little bit down ever since then and now 
honestly kind of looks like the worst fucking jungler in the league if i'm being completely honest uh mm. it's not looking great even our boy larson isn't having the best of times i'll start with you on this dagda what, what do you make of rogue at the moment like what, what do you think's going on here and why because you know they have some these aren't bums of players right they might not be the best in their position but they're not bad players what, what do you think is going on here um, I mean, I don't want to put the blame at Mark Coon's feet because this is still the exact same problem that we had last year with Rogue, which is they don't fucking do anything. Um, and you can look and go, hey, look, this is supposed to be Mark Coon's problem to fix. And I think that's why they brought him in because it's like Mark Coon wants to try and play early game, but you're just not able to with this team. Um, and I don't know if it's a case of laners not communicating what they need or when they need it, but they keep kind of going for these, hey, we will win lane type of picks and then they just never fucking do anything with them yeah so like you don't see them linking up to invade and they had don't get me wrong they had one game which was against g2 where i was like oh sick this is what i was hoping for like from zoe Lee's coming in and from Marcoon, which is those working together playing for picks around mid like setting larson up for success and thinking okay this could actually be something decent but um yeah i don't know where the communication breakdown is but like, how the fuck is Marcoon supposed to get this team to do anything in the early game if Malrang couldn't get this team to do anything in the early game? Like, that was the one job that that guy had in the squad. And if he got going, that was when Rogue looked good. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand what is happening behind the scenes. No one wants to work together. No one is interested in looking inside their lane. Um, and the one game where they actually did, they looked good. And then it went straight back to doing absolutely nothing again. So I don't know what's happened. But I have zero faith in this team, to be honest. Um and from a personal standpoint of wanting to see good League of Legends, that's a bit more action-packed. I'm kind of hoping they don't make us because it's they don't. It's not an exciting League or League of Legends to watch. It's yeah. Hopefully, we get to 25 minutes. Nobody's done anything, and we are just good at the game. Therefore, we win. And even then, ironically, in that one game against uh, G2, when they had like the good early game or whatever, even though they did end up winning the game after 20 minutes, they were still doing fucking nothing. Yeah, exactly. They were yeah. actually doing yeah. nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, I'm not going to go into it again because I've said it a million times and people at the start called me a hater and now I think people are realizing Segenda is just not it when it comes to what you thought you were getting what he was meant to be doing it was meant to be like lane dominance on picks that a lot of eu top laners don't play and then transitioning those leads into something he's not even really getting the leads particularly he's not even playing the picks that he was meant to be playing half the time and i think that top side and the whole new isolation system with like how the bushes are receded and how isolated top lane is and so on like he's not taking any advantage of that on an individual perspective and then we already saw the regression of comp you know uh, last splits um, Zoli's has obviously he's someone we'd be willing to give way more time to, of course, but he's looked ropey, especially the last week. Yeah. And Larson has regressed. Nymera, what what do you make of uh, of Rogue? Yeah, I mean, I think the lack of proactivity is the big kind of central point to this. And actually, you know, I think I'd further dag to the point when we're talking about the G two game. I think this is a great example of again this at some points. Because the way that Rogue won against G2 was letting G2 playing into them and responding to them. I was speaking to some of the guys from Rogue, actually. Um, and I think that, you know, practice leading into the season wasn't, you know, they didn't have that much practice, which obviously didn't help them get off to a great start. But, you know, the words which I heard was like, we don't really understand what we're doing. We're just trying to reset at the right time. And that's how we beat G2. They weren't doing anything particularly special when they were, um, you know, reacting G to G2. It felt like... You know, Larson bought a ton of pressure in that one game by escaping, you know, a couple of two, three-man ganks and then getting away with it. 
And I think we have seen them now try and brute force proactivity in their team comps. I mean, they had a Twisted Fate game, which, you know, Larson historically has been good at that pick. But, oh my god, they couldn't even force picks with the, with the mm. macro initiation pick. TF is the pick which can allow you to go to a side lane and start a fight. And they couldn't even make something work <coughs> with that. Um, I think that speaks a lot to the mentality in the drafting. And if they can't make it work with this, I am, I'm really, really worried about that. I think that we're seeing some of the issues with bringing in someone like um, Zoelise when you have issues with Proactivity too, because you need jungle support to be on the same page and you're trying to level up a support to be LEC Calibre. I think he's been fine. I think he's been okay in lane. I think he's been... I think this team can be opportunistic. And I think we've seen that from Zoelise and we've seen that in the G2 game. But it's not enough to be proactive. They've got that instinct to kind of understand when a player's happening, but not to start that play themselves. So... I think they might sneak a win in this next week, you know, versus Calming Core or whatever, because Calming Core also have problems with proactivity and lack of precision and stuff like that. And I think that if Calming Core do try and, you know, give it a last hurrah, I think that Rogue might just have enough reactivity to make something happen. But I do not trust this team in any way if they are the ones starting a play. It's just not working for them. By the way, I this obviously this doesn't mean they've been practicing all the way through or whatever, but I do believe that Rogue will like the first or one of the first teams to actually start practicing in December. So like my, I personally like wouldn't give them a pass based on what I know in terms of like a lack of practice or whatever. That seems like something they may have slightly retconned a little bit, right, but who knows? Okay. I haven't followed their like full schedule. Maybe they had like breaks because of sickness or I don't, I don't fucking know. But uh, yeah, Kira, what, what do you think's a problem with this team? Is it fixable at all? Or do you think it's just completely doomed? It depends what you mean by like fixable. Like, I was talking to one of my friends and we said one of the great things last year, this year is if you go from like one down to seven, all the teams in Europe win in very different ways. The league's actually a lot of fun to watch because like all the teams are really different. And then you get to Giant X, Rogue and Carmen Corp. Now Carmen Corp is just like the seventh layer of hell. So like there's nothing to be found there. And then Giant X and Rogue are just like, they're teams with identity crises. They don't know what they want to be. Uh, Giant X is just bad at being like a lot of different things and Rogue is nothing. Like Rogue has no identity. I've and got it's... it. This is an allegory for the what if question at the start of the episode. Would you rather fight the Bengal tiger, which is like, <laughs> which teams do you think are the animals? <laughs> but it's not even, it's, it's a kind of like, there's teams like Carmen Core who are just like bad and you just kind of look at it as like bad for the reasons you like expected. And then you look at like Giant X and like Rogue and it's like, they're bad in a way that's just kind of like sad because you're not, you don't know why these players can't find like, a play style, why the coaching staff can't provide like these teams like a consistent play style. One of the things like Nymeer was talking about the twisted fate, if you're like, for, for me, if you're like a bad team or like an uncoordinated team or a team that struggles with like early game and like grouping and comms, the last thing on planet earth you want to be playing is twisted fate, in my opinion. Like it is, because the pick is all about accelerating like specific like timings and then front running with those like timings. Plus, it's like kind of like a empty headspace. We don't really know what a uh, twisted fate kind of becomes in the later half of the game with the interest and in, in, with the addition of like the grubs and stuff. Like, what's the actual value of like sticking? Because one of the deadly combos in the game used to be gold card twisted fate into Kaisa joining from midsection into an assassination play. That was like a really famous console. But the uh, the Kai'Sa prior was down, and now the assassination tends to come from jungle, like a Nocturne or whatever, right? So, like, what is the actual linking play, you know what I mean, with the Twisted Fate? Because Twisted Fate doesn't do it himself. So, you know, you've got a lot of 
like things to ask. And if I I look at a team that's that low down, I wouldn't really be trying to play like that type of comp. That's the type of comp that like, you know, BDS, Mad Lions, okay. Team Heretics. SK, yeah, teams with really good, like, coordination, maybe a Fnatic, but that's a little bit of a different thing, would be, should be, like, trying to play. Uh, I don't know where they go. When I look at what Rogue should be, and, and if I was trying to band-aid, band-aid fix them, I would, and I know it's not something that suits Larson, but you would need to attempt to convince them. I, I genuinely look at this team, I think it should be, like, a split-push, isolated 1v1 team, where you try and get Zagenda into... Favorable side, uh, favorable matchups inside. You try and get Larson into favorable matchups inside, and then you use like mids <laughs> to try and get like Markun to link up with the players because a lot of this, the the technical stuff like the, that like requires like loads, loads of coordination. They're like terrible at it. Team fight setups aren't great. Team fight shapes aren't great. The, the one player who actually seems to he, it's not that he's like out of sync, but he seems to have the best understanding of like kind of like target priorities and where things should go is like Zo- uh, Zolus. But then yeah. Zola, yeah. yeah, but then he's not linking up. What he's making plays are isolated. Okay, so like when a support catches like a key target, you can say, "Oh, that was good," but if no one can follow up on it, right? Then it's uncoordinated. But, so it yeah, this how... happened like yeah, this I know yeah. That, this happened like three Under times can, in Topside yeah. River where he was making catch uh, picks or well not picks because they didn't get picked, yeah, but in making exactly. catches and they should have been picks. If that's like silly example, but if that's G two twenty nineteen or something, you know, everyone's like collapsing as soon yeah. as it gets. Like, I, I can't wait it's... for you to use this same logic for Hillisang later. No, but here's <laughs> no, but here's the um no, but here's the uh the, the problem is you, you need to know like the comms because either someone he's like calling to go on this and then other people aren't listening or he's not calling it and the communications are bad or people are telling him like not to go in and he's just being yeah. a lunatic and going in you know what i mean it's, there's too much like you know what i mean not there and you know the window looks good and the snap call like looks fine there is a window to be there but you need to know what's being called within the team to kind of understand what's going on it's roger just kind of like fucking sad to watch really also the other thing i don't think larson's been the player that it was i think even like larson's learning's not been as good yeah. his like team fighting execution isn't being good he's not been nowhere near as consistent the only positive big side was again the last year was like winning lanes i don't think he'd been winning lanes as like consistently as he did last year and then like his map play was never a strong point, but it's been like whatever. So the only player I think that was better than I thought, thought and I said I should write him a written apology was Comp. Like Comp, even with his like funky champion pool, um, Comp's been fine to he's good. Been all right, he's, yeah, and I, I think good's too strong. Honestly, like he's he's been I okay. I just don't okay. understand why a team like this, when specifically with Rogue, because I think like to me Giant X are like a bit different because I think. Giant X actually has a lot of upside. It's just a very messy right now and they can't get shit together. With a team like this, I don't know why for the last week, let's say, you don't just, I don't know, default to like Malphite comps or something. Some super easy to execute. Everyone knows exactly what their role is and just fucking flip it. Like you've got one chance to like string something together which puts you into playoffs and then you can sort of semi-reset and be like, okay, well, that's not going to work in playoffs. What are we going to do? Like, just try something. Because if they just go into these games trying to play like quasi-meta, they're going to lose. They're going to lose every game. 
well, they're not because they're playing cake but you know what I mean. But I think one of the issues with that is that I think in their current state, you can give them all the engage in the world and they wouldn't find a they wouldn't find a place for them to like actually pull the trigger yeah. because I think one of the big changes is actually um, removing first Herald in the favor of Grubs. Herald was the most mm, obvious yeah. fight in the world. Even if you never knew how to like play around early game besides that, you could always turn up to a Herald, the eight minute mark, you'd have your level six buttons, you can go for that. Having the Void Grubs, it's much more of a, a vague objective and vague application of it too. Herald, you could, um, you know, there were multiple ways you could use it. It evolved over time, eventually into taking first and second Herald if you were splitting the map and you could slam both into mid lane turret, open mid lane turret, get vision, get things elsewhere. I think that Rogue have been really slow to adapt to the fundamentals of early game being changed in terms of those objectives. So like, I'm actually genuinely worried if you gave them all of the engage in the world, I don't know whether they'd be able to find a battleground to use it still. It's also their... When you look at how they actually try and play fights in the mid game, it's not like they're going, hey, we are set up five versus five, which is what Rogue used to do last yeah. year. And they go, hey, look, we will wait till 25 minutes, then team fight and our team fight is good. They're now kind of going, okay, well, this person has got caught. We better all jump in to try and save him. And oftentimes it's like, we've seen like Zoelis and Heimerdinger is like by himself roaming through Topside River and he gets caught out or it's uh, someone has overextended a mid lane and suddenly Zoelis is trying to go in and Rakan to save that person and then that turns into this scrappy team fight. Like there is no coordination on this team at all and it, it has to be a communication thing for me because there's no way that you're getting nothing done in the early stages and then as he's already kind of said like Zoelis is going in by himself at times or people are going in by themselves and like we're not taking it slow and getting into position for objectives. Like they're just no one seems to be, at least in my head, seems to be talking to each other about what the fuck they want to do for the next two to three minutes on the map. And it's yeah. just, well, if I don't know that bot wave's crashing, I suppose I'll go for a reset. And then it feels like, you know, 30 seconds out, they go, oh, fuck, why aren't you here? You're like, well, you never gave me any information. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be fucking doing because you don't know what you're doing. So that seems to me like the way that this is operating for them. Yeah. Larson's also selling his team in terms of like sides. Like, see the Fnatic game, right? Humanoid goes bottom in the Oriana. Now, Humanoid overplays it and pushes in between tier one and two and gets killed by like Larson, right? But Larson uh, delays not one, but two waves, right? Before moving to the bot play, right? And he completely like sells it. Like, so if you choose to put all the resource, not go to that play, and do like a and keep all the resources onto yourself in terms of like play and stuff like that. Then the expectation is is that like that you believe that value on your trust is greater than what Fnatic was getting out of the bot lane. Then you're expected to then front run with the lead and use that lead to like do something else. And then Larson proceeded to not move that lead or like he played like too safe with the with the personal lead. And and I think the actual lost way too much in bot lane. And what he got mid wasn't worth it. I think it was a complete misevaluation of like what was worth more. And so we're now at a point where I don't think Larson can justify not moving on like certain windows because you're not getting the same value out of the but resources. This, is, that you this has never been Larson's strength, though, in my opinion. I but, think he is very often made poor calculations when it comes to where and when he should go and influence sideways whether or not he's like trying to catch someone or whether he's just simply trying to like 
um, value proposition, the wave states, right? Like he's never been good at that. Um, but he did short, he, at least I felt like he shored it up like last year a bit. Like I do think his side lane understanding improved. But now the problem is because there are no strong points on this team, the wave states are always more complicated value propositions for Larson. So, and so you're starting to see him struggle again. This isn't, this isn't really like a, a wave state value proposition. This is like Humanoid <laughs> pushes you like pushes you in. You see him on board, move towards bot side, and you choose to clear like your wave, then the next wave, and then push turret. Yeah, because like, he's greedy. Yeah. He's, he's always yeah, been greedy. I, I know, I know he's greedy. But the problem was is on the old Larson. Right, I used to used to be able to justify that like it's actually better for Larson to have the individual gold lead. Yeah, because he'd sure, yeah, yeah. Because he would utilize it better because he has a better player. Like I would be like, yes, it's actually correct right now in the current game state to fuck his bot lane and mm. to keep the gold lead on himself because he is the best player at utilizing it on Rogue. What? Even if it was like six hundred gold for himself, but it's a thousand gold for bot because the gold's con concentrated on his carry pick, like his ear and things like that. You know what I mean? It was better. But now I cannot say that. And so now I must oh. criticise him the same way I would criticise Niske, Nark. You know what I mean? All these players where I, I can't justify like, the greediness or the selfishness because he's not playing well enough to justify it. I think the last point which I'll put into this one as well is actually about um, some of the theory about building this roster. So Zoelius has picked up and part of the logic of that was that if you pick up Zoelius, you don't have to hard focus on bot lane like some of the ways that, you know, the comp trimby lanes would do. Uh, before they were a very bot lane early game focused team and stuff like that and the rest of the map were kind of chill if that's the logic how the hell have we ended up in this situation where both of the solo laners are really struggling to leverage any yeah. kind of advantage they've got that to me is just like you've set out with a goal with that in mind and you haven't achieved that so yeah. everything that's happening on the rift it's it's double down even more if you consider where that came from yeah Let, right let's talk about um them in the context of this Giant X matchup, because I think this is a really interesting matchup. As I said, for me, Giant X, I think, have the most upside of, like, the three bottom teams. Um, and it would easy, be easy to say, therefore, they will not, you know, miss out. But crazy things always happen in last weeks of uh, LEC anyway. They're definitely in danger. Uh, Dagda, what do you like about this team and what do you not like about this team? Again, we give them a lot of credence because it's new, there's a rookie, blah, blah, blah. But what, what are your feelings about Giant X? Um, I mean, I like their bot lane. Like, I think Ignar and uh, Patrick have actually been doing some good stuff. At least, especially in the first week, I really liked Ignar bringing out like Blitzcrank. He looked good on Rel and they were getting early leads. Um, and at, in week one, at least, I could see like Peach was kind of dropping camps and making sure that he was in the right place to cover people as they went for pushes or covering for um just where things could have gone poorly on the map and i was like okay this actually looks like a decent team but then it kind of got to like mid game i was like what in the fuck is going on like we'd have them like oh, i think it was like week one day one i want to say or maybe day two but basically one of the start of week one we saw them go for this like tp play mid with like jackies where he like went in with the Nico, they find the picks, it's working out really well. And then they, it was like they went, oh, that's how we win. So they just decided that was the only way that they could then play for the next day. So they kept trying to go for these like TP plays where they didn't have an opportunity to set up properly with the composition. They just burnt double TPs and the enemy just ran away. And then you're like, well, there's your mid game gone. Yeah. And then they try to set Jackie's into a side lane and it's no offense to Jackie's, he is a new player overextends in side lanes and then just ends up dying and they throw away the mid lane advantages, right? Sorry, the mid game advantages. And I think that's the biggest problem is that this team doesn't have an identity as to how they want to play the mid game. For some reason, they don't feel fully comfortable 
going for team fights and setting up where like we can look for flanks, we can look for opportunities. Um, and I think that's why they kind of feel desperate to look for picks is they don't feel as a team that they can win a team fight is kind of the impression that I'm getting. Um, and then they're kind of trying to throw everything at the kitchen sink to find a pick that isn't really working. Because I think, actually, I just want to double check it, but I'm pretty sure they've been going for mostly like team fighting comps with Ignar being like the main engage tool. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, they've had some um, like more pick compy stuff from Ignar as well, where it's like less about team fight engagement. It's like they had an Ash game, and the Blitzcrank is like, yeah, it you know, it's like he's initiating plays, but on what scale changes? Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I think it's just not understanding how they can push the map forwards, where how they want to push their waves out in certain areas, and like kind of a push side into collapse onto a pick in jungle or a pick in mid lane or whatever it is. They just don't really know how to push the game forward, and I think it is a little bit of confusion on where jackie's needs to be on the map and again this is just a learning curve um but also the yeah, then how because i thought with Ag ignar coming in because he was supposed to be the shot caller on nrg they'd have a better understanding of how to do this but it just feels like that hasn't really translated properly and i'm wondering if it is a case of they can't fall back onto team fights and they're struggling a little bit with that now yeah i think as i said to me this is a team where i would separate them from k corp and from um, I agree. Rogue, because I think that you do see obvious upsides and even things that aren't even necessarily working now, you can see working. I think Jackie's has shown that he's definitely talented and he's also raw as fuck. Um, very much sort of yin and yang on a lot of these players. I think Oddo, for example, has not had a particularly good uh, start to the split, but you do trust that when, if they're going to be in position to do something, he'll come to the table as well. Like that is just the story of the last fucking 10 years of his career essentially yeah. um and then like the bot lane i think we're not seeing winter patrick i think patrick's actually playing fine like i think patrick is doing his job i think um, he's the best proactive adc yeah i think i think he's playing fine i think ignar's been all right i'm not actually a massive fan of gx's drafts like i think a lot of their drafts are just weird i think in their last game their draft looked fine until the last pick Udir, which was just really weird yeah. because oh, and the sk game was 100 percent lost in draft yeah like, that yeah, was yeah that was, that was yeah. horrible <laughs> um but like the Udir was... is a pick for G firstly Udir is so not an odd one day pick. Like it's just stylistically, that is just so mm. not him. And also it just didn't really fit what they wanted to do at all. And I also echo whatever, I think Nymera or Kira or whoever said it, that uh, this region simply just doesn't understand how to utilize Udir in general anyway. And that we, just, were, like, we were talking about it before we went live. Yeah. yeah, that just like ruined the draft completely, which looked like a decent semi-winning draft like beforehand. I think uh, as Dagda said, the SK draft, I think there was one other draft where um, I really wasn't a fan either, and I think they've slightly hamstrung themselves there. But yeah, I mean, Kira, what what do you think um, uh, uh, about this team? Uh... Also, by the way, very quickly, I want I want to know why you raised eyebrows when I said that Oddo will come good because every single split ever this guy they're not good enough. Good, so. Is the problem? The problem is it's not good enough. Like, as in not good enough to, like, justify... Well, last year, we had, like, two, like, winter and spring where they just didn't make playoffs, like, remotely. They didn't make playoffs, like, at all, right? And then by summer, they were good, and then they didn't make worlds. And that's the point. It was, like, like it was oh, too little too I, late. Oh, to be clear, I didn't mean he's going to carry the team. I just meant he's going <laughs> to no. he's gonna do his job. Like, he'll yeah, be him, you know? Yeah, I, him, I, in fact. I, get, I get that. But the problem is, is, like, 
I, I went. I noticed this. They're counterpicking a lot for Odo right now. Yeah, right? true. He's very one of, true. Yeah. Right, and that's the problem. And, I, yeah. and if you know what I think about top lane, right, and I think this role's fucking broken as tits, right? Mm. You sh either use Odo's strength, which is you can high end them a plate of dog shit, yeah. and he will make the most out of it. But then the minute you start counterpicking to Odo, I then need to move my. Um, you know, my thingy of like, what are the expectations to be getting out of this pick? That's fair, so, that's fair. Right? So like, if I'm seeing counter picks of like the UDR, the Aatroxes, I've now got to visualize and start criticizing yep. Odo as like more of a carry theater in this yep, game because you've given them the draft resources. Now, if you want, we can move back. I don't think XL should be doing this. I yep. think they should let Odo, I don't know if Odo's asking for this. I don't know. I don't like, but like, they've got their own things to like solve out. But that's kind of where I'm at with that. Jackie's is like, got that full thing of like the mass like variants but at least like this is all good i'll just give you a thing i think right now and uh, this is crazy nuclear Ent is the best mid laner in the lec but nuclear Ent, when he first played right was never this uh, anywhere near as good as jackie's right in the terms of like nuclear Ent had none of the upside and his floor might have been worse so like going forward jackie's might be like a good to great mid laner right but he's just fine with all the problems of our rookies and it's very hard to say that XL or Giant X sorry are going to like win or turn it around this winter yeah. right now I think that's very very bold to say to like iron out and find uh, substitutions for all the problem problems the other thing I would like say about them is and this is like where it, like, I do think they've had like draft problems like you were talking about where you know they're counterpicking for Odo when you have like a dedicated assassin player in Jackie's who would like love counterpick but the other really weird one was and I love this from Fnatic Fnatic showed the did not pick Ash they like basically opted to not ban and not pick Ash into Giant X and basically dared um, yeah. Ignar to pick it and they would and even XL themselves didn't pull the trigger on it they, they, even though teams think this is the most powerful pick in the league... You have to play it well, though. It's actually quite hard to play well sometimes. Yeah, but this is the thing. Even XL themselves knew, yeah, they've got us. Like, we, they, like you know what I mean? They hovered it for ages, and then I think they chose uh, Blitzcrank instead. Whereas, like... If oh, sorry, is this against Fnatic? Yeah, Fnatic left... Oh, no, they played the Ash against Fnatic. Against Fnatic. Yeah, oh, they played did, against oh, Fnatic. Did, did, did now, they was it good? It, That's it a was question, but... I think it was Carmine Corp you're referring to. There's uh, still one bus, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got to second ban phase, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you can, or maybe it was the fact that game they were like Devron over it. Sorry, my memory's a bit hazy on that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not like I'm now talking about the next bit. Is I thought it was against the other team, but against Fnatic, it wasn't good. And so now you've got like this whole problem of like. Uh, Jack, uh, not Jackie's. Patrick wants to be like lane dominant to an almost like ridiculous degree right now, right? But has like support even though he is also lane dominant, can't, like, match him on the current meta, like, lane dominant picks. Which is just a bit of a, sh like, you know what I mean, a counter thing, where, like, Ignar's dominant in terms of, like, pick champs and, you know, like, hook champs and stuff like that. So, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Don't know really, really where else to go with it, to be honest. Yeah, Nightmare, what do you, what do you think of this, this? Yeah, I mean, just to echo some of the other points, yes, you do have to separate them from Kami Core and from Rogue, because I feel like they do at least look for plays. It's just they're, they're very unpolished when they're looking for them. I think one of the huge issues I have with this team is that there's a very particular point when bot lane transfer, like they, they change their lane <laughs> assignment to mid lane, and pretty much every time, even when they're ahead in a game, 
you've got a pretty good bet that they lose a fight in mid lane because they haven't set up vision particularly well. In the case of against BDS, it's like three mid lane picks in a row, which just happened to kind of bring them out of the game. There are a number of times where, um, and Fnatic as well, there's a couple of times where just in mid lane where like they just get exploded from a really bad pick. I think that's the point in the game where things start to get a little bit skewer for them. I think they're pretty good in the first few minutes of the game. I think Peach has had some good angles. There was the one Lee Sin, Sin game he played and they had, they had like a three kill bot lane gank. That was pretty fun. But there's definitely a point in the game where they start to lose some of that inspiration then maybe they overforce things. Um, in regards to how we maybe see this team develop, I think there are some upsides to this team. I think um, particularly for Odo Amne, when we see Odo do do his best, it's when he has carries that are worth buying space for. I guess you could kind of, I mean, hell, you can draw a parallel with that with like 369 to an extent right now, right? Where he's gone for some of the very best carries in the world to now he's onto a team which is getting used to things in his first series was like, well, I'm buying space for people who are not really bringing much value in this team fight, blah, blah, blah. So I'm interested to see if... Um, By the way, I would say team... even, you know, all my biases, I think he's played some team fights horrendously this flip. Yeah, sure. Mechanically, he's been missing yeah, stuff, which you it, never see him I miss. also feel like Odo's, I'm not going to call him like a straight tilter, but when things aren't going well, he he kind of like nosedives with the team. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's streaky, not in the sense of like, he, I, I more describe it as like when he gets in the zone, he's yeah. like lights out. And when he's out of the zone, all bets are off kind of thing. And, and also like when a team fight starts, Odo kind of like if if Odo commits to a fight, he's pretty much in it for, for the team fight. You know, he he doesn't really pull out of a team fight early. Like he's, he's pretty there for the whole of it. Uh, Trigger, like he's, yeah. he's staying in that fight. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when it comes to this team, you know, I, I think that... Um, I think that the team needs to do an awful lot of work at setting up mid-game vision into the enemy jungle so they're not just like hovering around mid lane fighting for priority and eventually getting picked off. I think they stall out a little bit in the mid-game, but that stuff which is between jungle and support that they're going to have to get used to. I think like this team is pretty good in the early game. I think if they sort out this kind of stalling out around mid lane towers, I think they, they could be a fine team. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm, I've always, ha always has been, always have been. I think Kira has as well. I'm out on Peach. Like, I'm not seeing enough, to be honest, to justify no, no. it. But yeah, also... by the way, he's better. It's, I don't yeah. know how. Yeah, no, but yeah. Here's, here's, the, here's the problem, though. So my ray, my ray of light for Peach was that, because obviously this is a small detail that people didn't really talk about that much, but Ignar's obviously Korean, and he speaks Korean, and Jungle support synergy in the modern game is very important and i have seen as particularly in the early game peach is doing better he's doing more conventionally smart things in the early game but to all the points that nymera is talking about as well i think once we get into the mid game and setting up the fights particularly around the objectives please just go and watch what peach is doing in half of these fights by the way it is not good and as i already referenced earlier like i think oddo for example when he's been like ahead or have points on like Aatrox where he's like almost engaging like on the Aatrox and fumbling a bit and has misplayed or whatever. Peach is also misplaying these fights, by the way. Or oh, not all of them, of course, yeah. but it's it, it's not pretty. It does feel though like a lot of their fights aren't intentionally fights. It feels like one person gets caught and then it's like a, oh shit, the mm. team's about to go sideways, get the fuck in here. And I think that's why you can kind of see it's it feels like more sheer panic in a lot of the team fights to start off rather than in any way kind of going like oh yeah like peach and Oda but can set up so. i think i agree completely but i do think and i'll be completely clear this is speculative but i do think that a lot of this is to do with peach and how the uh jungle support are controlling the map and the lack of communication ability between them and the rest of the team i do feel like this is a they look 
like one of the more solo QE teams in the mid game when people are juggling around vision and objectives. And to me, I do put a lot of that on jungle personally. Yeah. And uh, I want to just one last thing which I want to talk about this too is like <coughs> just revisiting the draft thing too. Um, I know we weren't going to talk about SK, but we were going to talk about them in regards to other teams. They had a fucking great draft versus Giant X for me as well. Mm. Where like the way that um, Giant X had the early game, they got a good lead. Um, but they stole that in the mid game. That is partly due to the last pick Alistair, which was just an absolute godsend of an R5 pick if it reaches mid game. Because in that game, Giant X had like a huge multi angle engage comp. They had a snowball through the Draven Blitzcrank as well. But as soon as Draven gets to the point where like he has post level six and he has uh, Celestial Opposition, the new support item, which is, you know, 35% damage reduction. And then he also gets, you know, to a locket and he has his ultimate and he has the, uh, does he have the Fates Call in that game as well? Yeah, he has the Fates Call as well. Yeah. <laughs> if you're sat there as Kennen or Yone, you're just, he looks at you funny and your keyboard disconnects. Like you're never getting that combo off. And I really, really think that DOS like completely hamstrung Giant X. So that, that was an even other factor where you think, Okay, you have all of the go buttons in the world. You've got a cannon, you've got a rel, you've got a yone, you've got a blitzcrank hook. Ah, the Alice is a problem. So I will say, like, some of it is off the Rift 2. Um, they got to an early game in that lead, and the mid-game stall, which they already have, was made even worse by actually think I, I think a really good Alice to pick by SK in that game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, right, but there's some tempering factors. Let's uh, let's talk about the team. I guess it's almost sort of an obituary at this point, I suppose, which of course is K Corp. Like they can qualify for playoffs there is light theoretically at the end of the tunnel i can't see it but i'm told it exists i'm told by their fans on twitter certainly that it exists so let's talk about k corp uh yeah i mean we've already talked about them quite a lot in other shows uh because they are relevant and as i said the way and by the way i i'll say it again i love the way i know for competitive integrity or whatever we don't have the best format but for entertainment i feel like the LEC is the best format because every game really matters. Every game is super interesting to talk about and all of K Corp's games still really matter. Um, I said from the beginning, I never liked this team. Badly constructed. I put them ninth. I should have put them 10th. So they duped me, I guess. But none of these pieces make sense to me. And I also, before I uh, go to you, Dagda, on, on this and, and to the rest of you guys, I want to talk about what is an interesting tweet because I think what you're seeing a lot of, and it makes sense, you know, people like to defend defend their friends on Twitter and so on. And, you know, we all have biases and people we like more than others or whatever in the industry. There's been a lot of discussion around... Um, sort of some of their drafts and stuff like that, which some of them have been pretty good. Some of them have been less good. Um, obviously, that is an interesting talking point because you do always say how much is on the players, how much have they been hamstrung, etc., etc. The general consensus, I think, is they have had some very playable drafts at certain points. And the discussion has been around a lot um, of coaching in Yamato and so on. And um, actually, no, what, what, before that, I will just want to get your general thoughts on this team, Dagda, then, then I'll bring up what is, I think, quite a, an additional interesting talking point. Um, I mean, I think we're seeing something very similar to what happened to Vitality last year, which is like people just don't want to play together. Um, and I think partly that is um, like, I think Bo is mechanically good, but I think it's very clear that he doesn't want to play with whatever the fuck his team is doing. Um, which is very, very frustrating because there's been times where I'm like, okay, cool, they've got a nice early game. And then you see him like leg it into Rift Herald by himself as Jax counter striking his way forward. And then he gets knocked out. And then it's like a four versus five immediately. And you're like, the rest of your guys weren't even in a position. Um, but the impression that I got from a lot of these, this team is like every, and I, I'm going to probably take upset out of this conversation because I think upset has actually been doing his damnedest. It's just that like, what the hell are you mm -hmm. supposed to do as an AD carry in this? 
Um, but I think people, everyone wants to be the hero on this team. And I think that's, so like there was a fight where I'm watching when like Cabo Shard's on Malphite and it's like Bo is on Vi and he sees the AD carry. He's like TP'd in as a flank and you're like, okay, cool. If you wait for the Vi for like three seconds, Vi gets into range, Vi ults the AD carry, because the AD carry is flash. Is that you the can one where he combo. flashes back in the mid lane? Is that the one? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah that was so it's like Vi can ult the AD carry, Malphite comes in, you get the kill and like you actually set it up perfectly. But Cabo decides to go for the play himself. And then yeah. the AD carry flashes away. The Violet eventually comes in, but there's no follow-up then. Um, and the whole thing goes to shit. So I think there is definitely like a, hey, you can, act, you can wait for combos as part of a group, but nobody is really communicating as part of that group. And then there's the obvious things of like Cabo Shard losing lane versus Mirwin, and there's stuff like that that's coming through. Um, uh, but I like, I like how some of their early games have been set up where it's like, at least, sorry, for week one, I'll say, yeah. where it's like, hey, we can play off of... Uh, we can play off of like bot lane pressure. We can look for invades. We can play for Bo when he has like counter pick on the jacks and stuff. But um, yeah, after that, there's just not many positive things to to really say. As soon as even 10 minutes goes past, they just look like headless chickens where no one's really talking to each other or moving about together. So um, I would, yeah, I would contest the upset point because I think that yeah. there's, there's two, there's two sides with like mm -hmm. uh, upset and AD carry narratives in general, which is that, sometimes people will go overboard like i mean upset has like a lot of haters let's just put it straight yeah. up well they'll hate on him like, no matter what but i do sometimes think it also goes too far the other way where it's like ah oh, but what can upset do la, la la upset could at least be in some fights or like the vicinity i of do some agree. fights yeah like you know That's what it, true, actually, it reminds yeah. <laughs> me of it reminds me of when reckless went back on fanatic uh the most recent time and there were just these random like Drake fights and stuff that were kicking off while he was like getting a blue buff and not like didn't yeah. even remotely look like he was interested in attending the fight until he'd like got the blue. Like, it yeah, just, I it... do agree. There is definitely part of that, but I also think that is the entirety of the team, right? So mm. it's like, like when Bo's running in by himself to contest Rift Herald, Cabo Shard hasn't even pushed out top lane. He's like halfway towards his tier one, and you've still got your mid laner. He's fucked off to base. It's like yeah. there's so many of these. Like we, I joked about on the show, it's like, it would be nice to just see five members on this, on the screen at once. Like, I don't think once you get past 10 minutes, I sorry, per 15 minutes, you see five members of Carmen Corp on the screen, same screen at any point in time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, like, I don't think, I do think this is an issue with upset. And like, I think it is something that we saw in Vitality and I think it is still something that we see here. But I can't look at him and point and go see this is where the fault is when that's the entire fucking oh team. yeah for sure right. i mean and yeah. also in the fight that lots of people talk about which was the one near the baron pit where upsets just like inexplicably in mid the whole time targamas is engaged is also like seven seconds too early like it's yeah. just crazy like the the disconnect is is absolutely everywhere so yeah i do agree with that yeah. by the way kira your camera's been dead for like the last minute i'm not sure you might want to reset yeah. it <laughs> uh not sure what's going but, on there um yeah, I think the um, the biggest thing that I've seen for Upset is that they're taking picks for him that require a huge amount of setup, like the Lucian consistently, and um, even the Caitlyn, and the team is not coordinated enough to set up for him. Um, so, like, while I think there are there is still issues that exist with Upset, I think I'm putting less of the shoulder of blame to him than I am with, like, people like Bo and, you know, Targamas and, I mean, even the solo laners to a certain extent as well. Yeah, I think, like, that Bo has... 
like for me again it's like with the week one thing i think that what you said about like in week one the first 10 minutes they were competitive in like every game yeah. pretty much and then it kind of went to crap i feel like Bo was competitive himself in his own matchup in every game up yep. until he wasn't <laughs> because he kind of <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. you know, <laughs> get, get, I mean, I don't want to say gave up because maybe that's a disservice, but changed his stratagem, let's say, that I mean, I'm just going to engage at every little window I possibly can. But I, yeah, go I, on, I think the I think the Jacks game from Bo is like one that you really highlight is like, yeah, individually, Bo was really not on it that game. I think I'd push back for some of the rest of the games. I actually think the Vi game against G2, he had some really excellent team fights at some points. There was one fight in mid in mid lane where the GT cell lanes were trying to converge on one point and he actually so he hops over the wall threatens the AD carry then hops back over the wall with an ult backwards instead of diving too deep onto the AD carry where I felt like he's actually been quite good at judging space in team fights. I think the early game point I really agree with too, especially in that G2 game, like Saken and Bo actually were first to bot lane on Roams. Now they they lost that bot lane fight, but they were first there. So that's a good start with it. So I mean the difficult thing when talking about this team is that everyone is an issue to some extent it's just who you want to focus on with that because like yes you're going to have forced errors from Bo when he looks too hard for an engage because what the hell's the rest of it happening yeah um i think in terms of what we haven't talked about yet i think that um in terms of everyone wants to be a hero everyone but Saken yeah. because Saken hasn't been making the big plays and i didn't expect that from him actually i thought that this guy would come in on azir or nico and stuff like that and find big plays I find it actually really quite concerning that he's reached late game in a lot of majors and just like not really pulled the trigger ever. He's got some good DPM numbers. I think someone tweeted that out recently, but like he's not really making the big shuffle, the big Nico oh, plays. And I'm like, I, I, yeah. I don't, I just don't see it from this guy. That right means now. Nothing, I don't know whether it's uncomfortable. I mean, in case anyone like, if, oh, if anyone sure, saw the sure. screenshot, like just, just for context, he's no, but just only in case anyone thought this guy was active in games. Yeah. If, any, if anyone thought say, this guy was active, like, like not really. It should be illegal. Like, Look, I know you're new to the LEC, but if you come in and you've you come in and you're half you're up against humanoid on a Kali in a matchup that should be favorable for Azir and he's half HP mm. and has one pot to his name, and you come out of the laning phase and he humanoid still has a fucking pot and you've lost two of yours as a I'm like you yeah. you've just fumbled the matchup entirely like, and it costs them massively. Like, like it's just it's stuff like that where I'm like, look, I understand you're new and trying to come up, but fucking hell, man, like these are matchups yeah. that should be basics for you. He yeah. did play it like dog shit, but that matchup is more and more sided on Akali as people have like. I actually disagree. I think it is an LEC because I've seen it in LPL multiple times and last he, year. I, I was, about, I was yeah. literally, about, literally about to get this. Unless you're a Zier player, it's like the whole like uh, top end of the Frog and LeBlanc um, yeah. like theory, the Carpus oh, versus the LeBlanc. LeBlanc Carpus. Like, it, it's like yeah. if, if the Carpus player is really, really good at actually landing like Qs, it's actually Carpus yeah. side up where. The uh, like that Cali matchup where like both people are like on like similar skill levels or like that, it's actually it could be easier for it. But he played that matchup, it was defiable how bad mm. he played that matchup. Yeah, I, I, don't I started watching, it. and it's like simple things like when a Cali throws down her W, his ears in the LPL would just put a soldier smack bang in the middle of the W. Yeah. So when she goes to Q, you just guarantee that you're able to hit her as soon as she comes out of the Q. And like none of the LEC guys are doing it, but it's things like this where it's like. These are just things you should know about the matchup. And look, I'm not blaming Taken entirely because it is an LEC-wide problem. But it's like when he's half HP, mm, like yeah. how do you not trade aggressively on that to actually just push him out of the lane? Like you have two pots to his one. Like, and then whatever, second wind, Doran's shield, 
yada, yada, yada. That's still a massive advantage for you to go into that laning phase with. And for you to then go through your two pots and still not have as burnt a single one of his is just absurd. And yeah. also, it, it, there's for people who don't like actively play the game or the mid-match or whatever, it's not just that it's a fine matchup for Azir. There's a difference between it being a good matchup or a fine matchup or and a safe. It's so safe for Azir to trade, like so safe because of how the, the soldier dynamic works. So to me, yeah, it's kind of inconceivable. And also with fleet footwork as well coming in for this season. Yeah, too. and that, that's well, where like that's where yeah. I'd love to see like uh, or I wish we had like the 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 povs or the, the the ability to view vods where we can just look at a lane. I would love to see the entirety of that laning phase and to have like a mid laner talk about like all the windows of opportunity where he should trade here or he shouldn't do x cuz to it, me yeah. that is mind blowing. No, but we, we're all yeah, forgetting, so, so, by the yeah, way. Okay, and, okay. and then the last thing which I want to bring up with this is, like, um, I think, yeah, I think that one of the huge things which Dada brought up is, like, like they're, they're never really committed to the same fight. Someone's late to a big team fight. They're off on their timing. Someone's died in the sidelines. So they have to play with that. Like, arguably, the one game where we didn't see that was versus Vitality. And, oh, my God, that was the worst side we've seen them yet. Because that should have been a sitter. Because Vitality, they have been inconsistent. But it felt like um they were in that game playing like you know the second worst team in the lec and they did have some times where they could 5v5 and it felt like you know um they had some tools to win and then suddenly actually you know it was Bo with a huge lead he was the one getting engaged on <laughs> while he was getting engaged on even in a split fight the rest of the team was never in position to do anything with the opening moments of a fight i think they were really bad team fighting instincts and i think that's a big kind of microcosm of not having the instincts for anything else in the game it feels like the sitting options are there and when it's being thrown at them you know i think you know, to compare them to another team like Rogue, of course they face them in this next week too. If you throw a play at them, at least they have a chance to respond to it correctly. In this kind of game against Vitality, they very rarely did, even then. That was a weird-ass game, even when it felt like they got to late game with multiple items on some big carries. Yeah, I think that we are all forgetting the biggest reason K-Corp aren't doing well though, which is apparently Cabochard's a flat earther. By the way, I'm told, I'm told that's actually a joke. I mean, this is actually pretty yeah. funny. So apparently, I love this, by the way. So one of the, I can't remember which streamer it is, the German streamer. Okay. So he, use, oh, Agron, 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 right. he oh, uses this term. Uh, he gives it to players who in their gameplay are like denying certain obvious concepts. And he like they just refuse to play to like certain oh known God, concepts. Really? And he that's calls incredible. these players flat earthers, which I think is brilliant. But... Oh, and the inverse, obviously, when things get clipped out of context, I was left questioning, is this guy actually a player? <laughs> but even so, I think that is that is brilliant. Uh, but yeah, uh, Kira, what, what do you what do you make of this bunch of uh, misfits? Well, can I just say, this is a danger of, like, a trap of analysis that, like, I, I try and avoid, like, the fucking plague, right? And this is the whole thing of, like, coaches and, like, expectation of, like, coaches and what they do. Because there's so many people, right? Now, they might have more insights than me that, tell, like, said and came forward and said, right, that the thing that, um, uh, Yamato Cannon is good at is, like, getting players on the same page, like, man management, he's not, like, the best, like, you know, like, X and Y coach, but he's able to get all his players on the same page and work on communication, and, you know, I mean, if you give him, like, a middling team, he can get the most out of them. Now, that uh, this is only, like, one team, like, he's, like, failed with, right? But because, like, that is supposed to be his, like, area of, like, reported expertise, right? And that is the worst thing about this team, that is they are uncoordinated, they aren't all on the same page, and if you listen to the snippets
notes of their comms, it's literally listening to like a hellscape of like just complete disjointed. It's basically just Bo speaking an occasional word from someone else. No, upset like speaks. Oh, really? Like, no, no, oh. so upset talks <clears throat> a shit ton, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. A I metric heard some then, maybe. shit ton. And then it's like sacking inputting, like just diabol. It's like the devil on your shoulder, like whispering into your ear to do something cr insane. <laughs> and then Bo's trying to speak English. And trying to say like and give like calls, but he can't like he's not got the confidence to just speak over the other people with his like broken English, and so he's just like starting and stopping again over and over and over again, and then he just like starts spamping and things like it's comms are bad. These are some of the worst. Setting the setting the right. So the whole then people encounter to that then like dogpiled on like Yamato and like wanted to blame 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 blame. Not all teams and not all groups of playable players are like coachable or are like fixable for any good yeah. coach. It happens all the time. You can be good at the thing people say you are good at, but you cannot do it for this group of players. Now, I do not know if it is Yamato's fault. I do not know if it is the player's fault because I'm not part of the team. And that's why I do not talk or conjecture about coaches because I do not have enough information about them. But based on the gameplay that's going on my screen, right? Like the stuff like that. I'll just go like through them. Cabo is just what like remove him from the LEC just not good enough in my opinion at this moment in time he can maybe like get better but the game we're playing right now he ain't good enough Bo like it's so frustrating like anyone watched the Lilia game event against <coughs> SK Gaming where Bo goes top lane with Sakin's Pryo to try and get a scuttle that's like taken 30 seconds before does Bo just think that um what's his name is like mentally disabled and not gonna farm it? Uh, Douglas. Is it does, does, that's the only reason Bo can think that like Douglas isn't going to farm that scuttle. It, it's either massively like disrespectful, or you're just like abstractly like wasting your time. Like I don't I, I don't get it. Like I genuinely do not understand it. Like I, it's frustrating. Beyond belief. The other thing that's a criticism is like I don't think Targamas is playing well like at all, and he hasn't played well for like a while. He has a like, really poor understanding of like lane and like his engage. Like I know like who was the that's jungler that was doing? Was it Torque that was doing the? No, no, there was like was it Memento was doing Memento the clips. Has been doing some bad stuff. It was doing clips about like you know I mean, Targamas actually didn't kill everybody with the the the, the, the Maokai. The oh, he actually he actually timed it perfectly, and then. The other one, though, like on the exact same game, like Targamash uses his like jump on rail to then to uh, damage block uh, saplings from a Maokai, and you're just like, oh my god, like you know what I mean? Cabo's like dropping rumble ults on Rakan supports that's used all their cooldowns. Like when you're highlighting these specifics, but it feels good to do that. The damage yeah, numbers. <laughs> but when you highlight these specifics, you begin to see like the tragedy because there's no like coherent like idea that these need to be like kept by each individual player for like the greater idea of like going to the trade. Now that's like super worrisome. The obviously the player like I, I've always thought was like good was like upset. I think upset's like a good a good player. He's been a great player at times, right? But on this KC team he has played some of his worst League of Legends. Like really like not disturbingly bad, but like out of pocket bad for like upset. Like who's very usually like measured and conservative, which can be a downside. But like, you know, it was like he went over the wall versus G two and tried to one v one the uh the LeBlanc and Yikes um Vago and gets completely chucked out. Against Fnatic he's on um a Lucian again and he like yeah. flanks Akali um, I hate Lucian in EU, by the way. I yeah, can't yeah, stand it's, it. but there's just so much. Then you That's see the Blascom play, isn't it? And then he yeah. immediately just goes like, "Oh fuck this, I'm out." Yeah, yeah. 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 
and it's so questionable. And then you like they see like the virus like gameplay, and it's just like you know what I mean. He goes into midwave and starts pushing the mid minions rather than like gripping with the team. He's out of mana. Like the game against Vitality, where he's like he's sitting in like the world worst possible pockets to be threatening the squishy Walking targets. Walking into melee range of Akali versus Mad. <laughs> oh yeah, there, yeah, that was horrible. That was there's, quite there's funny. Just, <laughs> there's just so much of like ups that of like upset that he was not doing before. Because but, of no, but, sorry, very quickly, like, let, just on that one, because that to me has that's not upset. Like that has to just be pure tilt. Like the the I assume you're talking about in the topside bush. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is like that's deliberate. I mean, I don't care if it. I don't care if it's. I know, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. The point is that the, it's not just a case. Like, it's very easy for redditors or whatever to just be like, he's, these. He's just playing. These players are bad. Then. These players are bad. This team is bad. It's like these people are doing things that are like straight up out of character. Bad. Like, it's just very. Very odd. Sorry, Dagda, you look like you want to no, say no, something. No, 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 you're good. I'm just not in the long. Okay. I just agree with but you. Yeah, uh, but I also want to uh, touch on this, by the way, because, again, we don't know, and I, like here, I don't like commenting too much on coaching or whatever because it's vastly speculative, speculative yeah. most of the time. I don't even like the Coach of the Year award. I think it's stupid because I Useless. don't think you really have a, a clue what's going on. But I want to, um, just for out of because I think it might be interesting to people. So apparently, uh, for people who don't know, well, this isn't apparent. I can tell you this did happen. Uh, K Corp spoke to Mac and Pad about possibly them being the uh, coaching staff uh, for, for K Corp. Obviously, they ended up going with Yamato Cannon. And there's been a lot of people talking about different things like the drafting, some of which has been good or whatever, and the, the decision-making around roster. And people going back and forth. I saw Young Buck talking about it. I then saw Sheepy sort of quote-unquote correcting him. And there is sort of a middle ground here. So I thought this might be just interesting to put out there, which is... Uh, Sheepy came out earlier today and said that basically it wasn't true and that Yamato wanted this roster and he said so multiple times and basically inferring that any problems people have with the roster should is on him, you know, because he like co-signed it. The middle ground here and what I think is actually basically what happened, which is I think pretty interesting, Mac and Pad specifically did not want to work with K Corp because the organization wanted very strongly to keep the French core of Cabochard, uh, Saken, and Targmat, I know Targmat's technically Belgium, whatever. They wanted to keep those three guys, and um, Mac and Pad did not want to keep those three players. So that's why they made the decisions that they made, and Yamato was happy to buy into that. So it's not that Yamato handpicked them and said, these are the best three players, like no matter what, but he was more willing to work with them than Mac and Pad. Maybe they had different styles of offers from other teams. That's or whatever an easy mischaracterization whatever. to make from that yeah. statement, by exactly. the way. Exactly. So that, that's it. He's, also, so... by the way, folks, like a coach is never publicly going to say they don't want that roster. Oh, of like, course. They're never yeah, going to say that. Like, yeah. So I, in some ways, this point is like, it becomes about the psychology and what you think about the player. So like, it gets really well, vague. Have at that point. But also, have a coach is never going to say that they didn't want to work with that roster, yeah, unless it's like four or five years after the fact. And also, if you're offered a pro, basically the, the, the TLDR of this is he was offered a project which had some levels of flexibility in some areas and no flexibility in other areas. So he's not co-signing everything when he takes the offer. He's like, okay, there are some pros and cons here. And I think for, you know, my career and the careers of the player, whatever, maybe this is a net positive, whatever, right? So again, I don't think people should be going so overboard and be like, you idiot, you wanted these players. Like this was a much more nuanced situation. But also, like, you've got stake on the coaching staff as well. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who is, 
like FPX, RNG, like insane top, top <coughs> end Flash of as well. LPL. Like this guy knows the shit. It's like, if you want to try and play blame at the coaching staff, like it's a pretty fucking hard job to play. Like just off of like the resume. Now, obviously there's always like a, how much do they actually input or yada, 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 or whatever. And like resumes can be a bit suspect in esports, but like, I mean, from what I've heard, Stake is one of the all-time greats and people are excited to work with him. So to try and then lay blame at the feet of these two is just like, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to walk out and clip lads across the year to get to a team fight together? Like, no, this is like basic stuff for players. So yeah, what they're doing flash yeah. moves. <laughs> Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> the, the the problem is that like the the, the problem is uh, the the best way I put it is that the loudest sort of uh, discerning voices about this person's you know this coach is an idiot because this this is this. You could put that person in a room with the coach and they could tell you ten different things. Five could be true, five could be lies, and you would have no idea which were true or which were lies. And you would just have to either take what they say as read or not at all. Yeah. So the whole thing's a complete waste of time. And the only things worth talking about are the real pieces of context which sort of come out and get, you know, verified by multiple reliable people or whatever, which is why I wanted to talk about this tweet, because actually the back and forths do all touch on different elements of the truth. And as I've sort of pointed out, that that is my understanding of what actually happened is that, which sounds the most logical as well, is a project was offered and a project was accepted. And you can read into that as much or as little as you want. But yeah, going hell for leather on, he picked Saken, Ham picked him and, you know, groomed him for a child to play League of Legends. Like, no, he's offered a project. Like, it is Realistically, Carmen Core were always taking these Of course, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what everyone said. And everyone's trying to wreck on it. It was so obvious <laughs> that when, the only question mark was that Cabochard had this weird thing where... I'm he pretty really sure contractually liked... there was some there was something in a contract. Maybe Targmus's contract was like if he stayed with Carmine Core and they promoted, they would take him to LEC. I think there was mm. even something contractually in one or two of the players. I'm not yeah, sure. very possibly. The only question mark was because apparently Cabochard did this weird thing where he just loved living in France and playing in the yeah. LFL that maybe he wouldn't want to do it. But outside of that, it was obvious that they were going to take their brat, like the players that embody their brand with them who had been successful at the other level. So yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, right, from talking about teams that we expect to, you know, possibly not be playing in a couple of weeks to talking about arguably the best team in the league, because I don't think we've really touched on them uh, too much uh, individually. Let's talk a little bit about BDS, who they look to me like sort of spring BDS from last split in the sense that we've got lots of well don't you dare kira not in terms of play style <laughs> but in terms of we've got lots of teams who are very messy let's say and then you have a team who find themselves where they are because they're simply much cleaner now how that's manifesting is not quite the same ice for example as an ad carry i think is nowhere near as proactive as crowny you actually had crowny as like almost a sort of playmaker at, at some some uh, spots in time for BDS when they were sort of at their apex. I don't really see that anymore. I do think Ice is like embodying the the statistic ADC role a little bit more than uh, what we saw from Crowny. I also think that things like the Blitzcrank and how BDS are engaging obviously do not look remotely the same as Spring, but you've got this same concept of BDS have risen to the top. Firstly, off the back of their good play, I will say that. It's not like this is a, a mediocre team who's risen to the top, but off the back of their good play. And also, the lack of teams around them really asserting themselves as top team. G2, for example, who we all expect probably to get their shit together at some point, you would hope, um, are not looking super hot. So they, for me, are actually comfortably the best looking team right now. I think the SK game, obviously it's 1B01, like, you know, what 
you're not going to say too much, but they look comfortably better than SK in, in that top of the table clash. I think Labrov is probably the MVP for me thus far. I think Nuke's not too far behind him. Sheo, a bit more shaky, I would say. Uh, Adam, he's Adam, doing Adam things. And as I said, Ice is a stat stick, but I think he's doing his stat stick uh, role pretty well. So yeah, they look really good um that stack will stack i will get this there <laughs> i will get that th these words into the league of legends vernacular if i die trying already already there uh the propaganda's in full swing but yeah so <laughs> oh i've actually started using that term just regularly now it's actually working it, it it's, amazing way to me, yeah. it's an amazing way to describe ADCs, yeah. man. it's like the dude's just doing his thing <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just uh, to me and this all this all like ruffle some feathers a little bit he's a slightly better knower so there you go. Well, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... Don't, don't do eyes like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, less of a KDA player than Noah. But uh, yeah, both stat six. Anyway, yeah, so Nymero, like, what, what do you make of this team? Is it sustainable? Are they actually good or are they the product of bad teams around them? Well, I mean, the eye test goes pretty well for them. I think there are a couple of things which I'd really want to kind of like bring up for the team in regards to what was the eye test before for BDS in previous iterations of them, and what is it now? I think previously, you'd probably look at Adam as the litmus test because he was the guy that would go 5-0 and with a laning pick or 0-5. and He's actually been very impactful even in like the one game was it against photon the one game where he kind of got put in the put in the crapper against the rumble but he still had good team fight impact later on irrelevant um, the dive situation irrelevant preps a wave on rumble and an sk gaming three-man dive on that uh, was killed... Skarinin, was it no no the no, rumble no. thing no you're wrong yeah that was that was the jacks versus renexon yes you're right um but yeah i think previously you would use adam as a litmus test i actually think he's actually just impacting every game now with the tools that he has. I think that he has more tools than most top laners. So actually, um, he's found himself in a really, really good spot. So actually, for the first time in a BDS team, I can just kind of assume that Adam is going to give value to a game as opposed to, in some years past, he would actually be a loss condition. I think the real litmus test now and two players which are actually playing on the whole, well, one of them's playing incredibly well, the other one's a bit more consistent. Jungle support, one of the best in the league right now. I think <coughs> arguably the best jungle support in the league. Um, I think that Labrov has been incredible. I think that his Blitzcrank games have been game-changing. I think that Sheo on stuff like Vi has occasionally hopped over a wall into the enemy jungle to die. Don't get me wrong. But I think in terms of early game and mid game, I think they found some really good angles. Um, the Graves game? Previous... You know, Graves dashed over a couple of but walls to the die. Way, as well. <laughs> just like, he's just a round red buff and I'm like... <laughs> by the way, just very quickly on this, I think this is the most... This to me is the most insane thing about BDS right now and why I think they are a better team, for example, than they were in like spring of last year is that Shea, I would go a little bit further. I think Shea is straight up inting like a... <laughs> Not games yep. necessarily, but in a bunch of... But he oh, is there are phases up, of play where I'm like, why are you Yeah, there? he is and he straight dies. up inting, and BDS is like yeah. so solid um, that they're like cover like they're band-aiding his in yeah. i think but that like is there is there impressive. is one there's one area where i think show is actually like being very consistent at. i think that i think that bds are the best team at playing through the mid-game rotations around mid lane specifically of any team in the elite scene <clears throat> in fact comparing this to the giant x example where like they were kind of stalling out around mid lane one of the reasons they did that versus bds is because bds was so good at finding angles to pick someone off out of position with show and labrov in good positions also happened against Fnatic. there was that one really cool play God, I can't remember what the timestamp was exactly where um, Newt gets like the three-man shuffle over the wall, Shea flies uh, in under the turret, Shea flies over the wall and they get two kills out of that play, even though it's Fnatic that started play on the other side. It feels like actually they're in very good positions to set up around like the mid-jungle uh, mid support trail, which was, it was more important than some seasons in the past, like 
22 spring, it felt like mid lane was like the three the three person lane where jungle and support runs to it were the most important thing in the game. So yeah, I think actually, um, you know, I think Adam for the first time in a while actually consistently giving positive impact. I think jungle support are making good plays at the right phase of the game. There were a couple of worries I had in week one, which I think they've done away with where sometimes when they had uh, the G2 game, when they, they kind of overcommitted on side lanes and that was just a real question mark in the early game for them. I'm actually quite confident in this team right now. I think they, they've, they understand the game that they're playing. They have a good identity. And I think that when you have taken out Crowny, who was yes, a playmaker in AD carry, but also sometimes a loss condition as well, because he'd have the Crowny oopsie in late game almost guaranteed every game. Ives is bringing value. He's not very easily easy to exploit. Yeah, he's a Noah-type player. He'll bring value. He's not necessarily going to be the focus of your team. And I think with all of this going on, it's given Nuke a lot of breathing room to make the big plays. Like, this dude is not under pressure to make the big plays, but then he's making them because he's not under pressure as well. He's not forced into, like, one route. He's got multiple options to take, and he's taking them really well. So, yeah, I'm actually quite impressed by this team. I, I, I underestimated them coming into this split. I'll take the L for that one. Like, I'm, I'm liking the, the, the way they're playing as a unit. Yeah, I think Nuke also needs to be like because people will say, which is kind of, was kind of a, a criticism of him, I guess, like last year as well, where I've I felt for a long time that Nuke's pretty underrated and that he got like default put into like bottom three mids, where I felt that he wasn't, and I feel like being a consistent player with like a seven as your floor and an eight as your ceiling is like impressive in itself, you know. Like I feel that that goes underrated because again, as I said it allows Shio to int on occasion. And because the other members of your team are so solid and reliable right now, that needs to be, yeah, highlighted as well. Because I do agree that, like, Labrov and Shio's ability to play around mid obviously makes it easier for him. But he's also making their jobs easier by, like, never Oh, the, S the, the SK game was, was, like, a little bit of a pocket given to um, Nuke in most of the big team fights and him finding massive Nico plays. Yeah. Like, not everyone is doing that in the league right now. I mean, Nico is obviously a very strong initiating champion, but I think Nuka's very consistently found the big plays, which yeah. is very important. Uh, yeah, Dagda, what, what do you make of this team? Fool's gold? Um, well, that's what I was going to say is I actually, I think I have a bit of a different take to you, lads. I think BDS look good, but I think it's a symptom of how bad the LEC is. Because um, the way you beat uh, BDS is punishing them for the late resets, punishing them on sideways that they don't set up, um, and then not just randomly walking into team fights where you've lack of vision. And look, I don't get me wrong. I think BDS is better than they were. I think the individual performers like Nuke, I think is having a fantastic time. I think Adam is also looking a lot better because of he is now isolated in one v ones where yeah. he guarantees himself a good matchup, right? True. Um, and that is not. To say, I think he looks very good and like the map now facilitates his playstyle. Um, but he's still doing these like. Rome timers where he comes down into mid lane, which are just kind of off and they catch themselves off on like, hey, they can't set up a wave on topside now to reset for the dragon that they need or whatever it is, right? Um, so I think the reason BDS look good is because the only team that knows how to play a mid game is G2 right now. Um, and for G2, they handily beat them because BDS don't know how to play side lanes. Like, they, they got the lead. BDS should have been able to close out that game. They didn't know how to push side lanes. They didn't know how to try and push the game forward by, like, setting up vision then in the jungle and then looking for picks or looking for plays um, and then looking to, like, choke them out before they got into the objective. And they just ran around going, well, G2 has got two early dragons that we didn't prioritize, which we should have with our composition. And then G2 aren't willing to not turtle to get themselves out of this. Um, and I think BDS is going to be a top contender this split. Um, and I do think they are looking significantly better. But I think if you actually put them up against really good teams, both, and I mean this from 
what I've seen from like Cloud9, but also then like LPL and LCK teams, I think they get bodied. Um, and it's because they don't actually know how to play the map. It's because they are very good at team fighting and they're very good at understanding what each other person's role is in the team fight. And that's why. Um, but I think this is a symptom of LEC being bad, therefore they look good. Uh, and there is still the exact same weaknesses that we saw last year. It's just that nobody's actually punishing them first. So, so you, do, you would actually maybe, you would probably actually compare them then maybe to that spring BDS run where obviously they... Yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, I like I to be fair, I think they are much better. I think the individual performers are better. I think their team fights are better. But there is a very clear way to beat BDS, and it is the exact thing that the LEC is bad at right now. Mm. Apart from G2, who G2's early game is a fucking mess, but you can see in mid game they just bring it back cuz nobody knows how to play a fucking mid game, so they just play for scaling and like, well, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, JK will see in 30 minutes and what are you going to do then? I would say their mid game against Vitality was pretty horrendous. Yes, yeah, fair. Yeah, but like, say, the a lot is of their two are currently not consistent themselves. So like, we'll even yeah. see if they can contest and let till yeah. they get there. But I mean, if you look at the four wins they have, they should have lost three of them, and mm. three of them were because they could play a mid game. All sure. they had to do was turn it push side I, and bring it back. Right? Just like off out, I actually think Fnatic's the best mid game team in the, the league. I think by, like, that's because Oscar knows like, how to play sidewaves. And I think, well, I also like well. There's a lot of like, inputs for them more than like Oscar, but oh my god, my brain's just fucking froze. <laughs> oh yeah, with the I, I actually think like the, one of my biggest pro like the biggest issues I'm having right now is that like a lot of the positives of like Captain's uh, mid game decision making and playmaking, even though has like kind of deteriorated for me and he's like dying a lot more and his like risk to reward like ratio has like skewed it to like an to one side of the extreme the like most proactive mid game members for me in g2 are like yike and mickey x and i feel like yeah. when mickey x is put it this way mickey x is less consistent than like yike and yike's probably like g2's best players but he's yeah, really struggling definitely. to i feel like yike is really struggling to get all the players in g2 to like buy into what he's wanting yeah. to do right now maybe the way i worded that was wrong because no, no, i think I'm it's more the turtling aspect of g2 and understanding how to make sure that a team can't progress the game forward is the best i think and okay. that's where, like, I see them getting those advantages. Oh, that's I don't think they're, it's not so much the, like, hey, they are good at, like, getting leads in the mid-game. It's, uh, they will prevent you from progressing. They're the, the smart, oh, yeah, they're yeah. the smartest yeah, 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 team yeah, yeah. denying, for sure. Even the yeah. game they lost against Rogue, by the way, it was, like, kind of insane, like, the yeah. understanding difference on, like, what the, what Rogue should have been doing to close out the game versus how yeah. G2 knew how to scupper them was, like, well, ridiculous. Yeah. On that note as well, actually, there was the one player where they tried to 3v1 top lane and Larson escapes anyway, and then actually that play means that there's no pressure top lane, so Harold smashes bot and they lose a bot lane in it. If they kill Larson, <coughs> they have six grubs to push open like a top inhibitor at a pretty yeah. early timestamp. Like, yeah. I definitely get that point where, like, I mean, when it comes to, like, the smoke and mirrors as well, G2 are definitely the team to, like, avoid the strengths of the enemy team. So when you're playing around BDS, you, like, like to play around this initiation core of jungle support through mid lane particularly rather than side lanes. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That being a problem but like obviously due to have other issues which they're dealing with right now so we'll see if they yeah. can consistently get to that point where they get that platform in the mid game but that's a that's a different thing really i, I do actually understand that point that's a that's a fair point did you finish with bds sorry dagda because we ended up on g2 there oh yeah no i so coming back to bds i think it's actually really interesting because i think heretics this upcoming game 
is going to be a big test for them because I actually think mm, heretics yeah. are trying to play a smart mid game like they play slow into a we will push on sides and like try and play you on the map and I think this might expose BDS a little bit unless BDS can get this early lead but I'm actually like that is the matchup where I want to be proven wrong by BDS but I'm really curious to see what it actually looks like that's a that's a fun matchup but yeah Kira yeah. you haven't spoken yet too much about BDS like do, do you do you side more with the the dag the way of thinking I mean for me personally I actually think the LEC is in a weird spot where I think that we're so capped right now on like how well I'd expect us to do internationally, let's say. But I feel like the floor is is not too bad. Like I don't think there's much cannon fodder aside from unfortunately KC. LEC is more just like exciting to watch in terms of the buy-in of like the teams in terms of like the LEC. And then I'll wait much later into the season before I, I even attempt to evaluate where they're going to be internationally. Um Put it this way, like, BDS and, like, Mad Lions are, like, fun to watch because they're, like, my favourite, like, types of teams where they're actually, like, team teams where it's, like, a co greater than the sum of their parts, like, yeah. uh, coherent pieces, like, working to together, um, not always, like, specifically the best in any given metric, though I think some of the pieces on BDS have become that. Um, you know, when I'm like, if I ever say like a supports like the MVP candidate, they usually have to be like winning the game in like a ridiculous way. And I think Labrov's doing that right now on like Blitzcrank. It was kind of funny, like we were, I was kind of talking about it and nobody's going to ban Labrov's like Blitzcrank in the consecutive games because I don't think anyone was going to move off of their prep. And then like they had like prepped ideas for like drafts and then they're just going to be like, well, we hope our prep beats the Blitzcrank. Mm -hmm. And then Labrov's just kind of like, haha, I hook your carry. Um, so... There's actually a really interesting thing. I actually want to pick your name on it. So SK Gaming had the best response, I think, to the... to the Because everyone criticised them, and I actually said it was the reverse. So when SK Gaming had a massive lead on Irrelevant, instead of like pushing that lead into Osgrinnan over and over and over again, instead, what Osgrinnan done is he sat with the midsection, right? And he went to wherever the midsection was going, if they were like bot lane or mid, you know, the ADC and the support in the jungle, and he kind of deathballed them. And what it stopped is it stopped June's Blitzcrank from ever being able to just hook a target and just being able to click snap and win the game and assassinate. Because right now, like, Blitzcrank is so, like, I can't believe we're talking about Blitzcrank like that. But I, I actually, no, no, because I actually come from uh, Dota, where this is the exact same. In uh, Dota, uh, this happened in the meta. So people realise there, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of damage in, like, Dota. And they began to realise you don't actually need CC to kill a target. You just need a displacement effect. If you can put someone out of position, that is just as good as them being CC'd because there's so much damage in the game. And Blitzcrank is, like, a symptom of that. Whereas not so much as, like, you, like, CC chain the person. It's just that you, like, suck them into your team and then they just explode from, like, the damage that you, like, have. So what do you think is the actual, like, obviously don't get hit with the hooks as, like, the response to it, but what do you think teams should actually be doing against, like, Labrov's, like, Blitzcrank to kind of, like, try and, like, hamper it? Because to me, it looks like you do actually have to do, like, a 4-1 setup yeah. for it to have any sort of consistency. I, I, I would just say, like, and this is going to sound like a, a sort of uh, what easier said than done thing or whatever, but I do feel that Blitzcrank is when you talk about like the mid game or when teams start to like leave laning phase, like let's just say like post 14 minutes, for example, and there's more grouping around mid and so on, whether you get hooked or not is such, and let's not joke about the hitboxes or whatever, but it's such like a skill dependent thing that again, it sounds like a pleb answer. It's like be better. Like unironically, well, no, no, if you've got, 
if you've mm. got good if assuming that if we assume an all things are equal situation right like people are like naa ramming or whatever and there's good vision around both sides of river and so on and you can you have vision on the blitzcrank like it should not be a case that blitzcrank lands well, a significant hook without something else being a precursor that shouldn't yeah, be and, that, and that's a big thing right because okay. i think this also comes into a couple of points that we've talked about before one of which is why is lucian shit in lec and also some things about some of the teams and how they stall out through mid lane what you need is enough tangential information to know that there's not a third person coming into yes. your 2v2 in mid lane. Because the way you bit Blitzcrank is before he lands the hook, or as he's positioning to it, you all in him, you make sure you lose, uh, you use a minion wave or something like that. He's <clears> not a tanky champion. He dies immediately if you do just fist fight in a 2v2. But you have to know that no one else is going to third party this. Same thing when Lucian runs at you with a one item um, spike in mid lane as well. Typically the way that champion works is you do get that one that one item lead and you just like, you, you smash through in a 2v2 or like a 3v2 with your jungler coming in. I think that LEC is pretty bad at getting that tangential information and getting like the one ward which will yeah. spot someone outside of like a response time into mid lane, which means that these plays can happen one way or the other. I think this is why we don't see as much Blitzcrank in the likes of LPL, we see some bits and pieces, don't get me wrong, and, and it's still powerful, but if your team is more practiced at getting that information with like a one key ward because your jungle supports have managed to get something in there, then it may, gives you a lot more power to play through these like mid lane uber picks which played like through an item power spike or one hook, and I don't think we're great at that in the LEC. I think which then oh, powers Blitzcrank. Yeah. Blitzcrank is a champion that like unironically got mega buffed by the changes to the map. Because, like, it yeah. seems really, really hard to play against him. Because it's like, you talk about, like, getting wards down, where it's like, if he is sitting, like, if you're on, like, Dragon Pit and you're coming in from red side, he has a giant fucking wall that he can just sure, hook you yeah. over that you can't yeah. get involved with. And it's the same on the opposite side, right? Yeah. But even if you're trying to establish vision, say, for Baron and he's on blue side, he can play off of mid, has a very easy wall that he can keep himself safe with um, and the entire way through. Because a lot of the times, the way you want to try and do it to get that vision is, hey, we will push mid, group up, and then go and get the vision control that we need. But because of the change to the map, it actually is really, really difficult to do it. I think Blitzcrank is going to become more and more meta as we start to go on. Well, I think it's I actually think broken. But you yeah, I think it's really hard. You have to control um, Blitzcrank through the laning phase as well, though. Like, you you need to have um, the ability to, like, push waves, basically, on command if you're playing into a Blitzcrank, in my opinion. Like, obviously, there's always going to be windows when, especially around Drakes and so on, when people are able to roam, like, out of vision or whatever. But I feel like it's inexcusable to play against BDS and to not have a winning matchup if you're going to sacrifice the idea that Lavrov's yeah. going to get Blitzcrank. I think you the problem is the mid game though, is where yeah. he actually like becomes more oppressive. But the, the problem is, is all the thing, all the fucking picks, right, that push lane into Blitzcrank are the picks you do not want to have versus yeah. Blitzcrank because they don't have mobility. Varys, Ash, Caitlyn, these are all... And here's the thing, Blitzcrank is now being utilised and Labrov's the best at it, but other people will learn. This is the same thing where Yagao and Knight figured out Zoe first, right? And then everyone else, the minute they opened up Pandora's box, we couldn't get fucking Zoe back into it for fucking ages. Where you cannot dodge it if it goes over a wall because the hitbox lollipops. So you shoot the Blitzcrank hook across the wall, it appears literally on your screen for no time at all. You cannot flash it and it just suits you away and you just get pulled back in. It's like the Zoe, bu Zoe bubble that runs along the terrain and it just hits you and you're like, next thing you know, you're just like sitting there like fucking like, oh well, I'm now just Omega fucked. And I I'm not saying it's like, 
uncounterable. It's like what, but the the way you beat it look is so counterintuitive. And the one way I did see it get lose, or the one way I did see it beat, the precursor to doing it did not look that replicable. Now, obviously, the black screen player can have a mid game where he has no hook. Everyone dodges all the hooks, and you know what I mean. You you play the lottery, and you like you know you roll the dice, and you hit a bunch of ones, and it's a bad day, right? But they're like it can win you games like that just shouldn't really be, and it can like particularly in the LEC, and it is more of a symptom than the LEC of more than other regions. Uh, the more disconnected and decoherent a region is, the more like something like Blitzcrank is like massively punishing, and it's like. Now we're at the stage of, like, we were talking about BDS, right? The pick ban is looking something like Darius. <laughs> Darius, Vi, Nico, yeah. something Blitzcrank. <laughs> something Blitzcrank. And it's like, is that what team really want to be doing against BDS? Like, is it, are we, is that the state, is that where we're going in terms of, like, to beat BDS? Like, what we're doing in terms of, oh, like, pick bans? By the bans? way, the, the actual, the, the cheat code to not worry about any of this is literally do what Escape do and just pick Alistair. Yeah, like, you you just pick Alistair. <laughs> yeah, you, you can pick... You body you block can... your carry, you press alt, and Blitzcrank no longer has any news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, there you, is you, something you... like that. If you yeah, want to just, they're... like, base easy lane, it just, that's it. But the thing <laughs> is, 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 like, it's not even just, like, the Alistair that gets picked, you know what I mean? It's like, your mid laner, like, moves in, and a Blitzcrank sitting in a push, and, you know what I mean, the, the mid laner dies, and next thing you know, a Baron's, like, open. There's, it's, it has, like, such, like, crazy usage. One other thing I'd like to just say about BDS, and I think this is like a scary symptom of the league, is, and as you've all touched on it, is like, Shiwa isn't having to play well right now, right? And the team's like, uh, like pretty good and it's winning the league, right? I think Ice is actually disconnected from like a lot of the plays in terms of timing, like where BDS is starting fights before Ice is even in position to like be there. So there's potential for this team where Shields plays better because we've seen it before. And then like, you know, Ice is more coherent with the team like moving forward. And the state that G2 is in right now, we are all like hoping that there's this headspace of ours where like G2 gets like better because you're their G2 and we give them the be benefit of the doubt. But it's like, that's like a lot of hope to press on like, ev like on something that isn't like happening. Like right now I have more belief in SK Gaming and Fnatic's ability to beat BDS than I do <laughs> G2's, even though G2 are the only team that beat BDS. Like I'm like moving forward. So... I think it's, it's like a really, really strange thing right now um, in EU. But like, yeah, they're a lot of fun to watch. That That's your quote, by the way. BDS is the T1 of EU. Mm. Only Gen G. Oh, sorry. G2 can be BDS. <laughs> right. Let's uh, talk about what I think is a pretty interesting matchup to, to finish off here, which is uh, two teams we haven't yet really touched on too much. Heretics versus Fnatic, which along with the... Uh, the game we just talked about, I think it's the most interesting game of the week. Um, again, Heretics is a team that going forward over the course of the season, I don't have too much faith in overall, but I always said I think in winter they'll be strong. I think they do look like a fairly smart team uh, in winter. Fnatic is an interesting team. Um, they seem to have a lot of sort of classic case of like very obvious uh, strengths and weaknesses right now. I think Humanoid's playing quite well considering it's regular season and usually he doesn't really <laughs> care about regular season. Seems quite good. I think Jun's shown some uh, very bright spots. Noah's just Noah, isn't he? Uh, Oscar on in, I think, is, is playing pretty well. And yeah, I think Razorg is still the best jungler in Europe for me. And I, I know some people have Ooh. tried to say that um, him and the Humanoid synergy is like 
amazing right now I, I don't think it is at all i think it's fine i think, I think it's, it's good better. i think it's yeah. better than it has been but i don't think it's like i mean arguably humanoids currently if we well if we have um, removed the anomaly that is nuke right now arguably humanoids like the best mid laner in europe at the moment arguably Razok's the best jungler in europe at the moment i don't think that they their synergy is representative of that in a vacuum let's put it that way they're obviously both very good players um, but yeah it's, a, it's an interesting team with a, a lot of upside um kira i'll start with you on this what how do you see this matchup i think this is a really interesting one stylistically actually like who who, who do you favor in this one i think like Fnatic has more like draft draft depth but they have like more waves of like going like astray oscar Renan versus like wonder will like be like, pretty interesting because you know it's like the exes <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, kicked me off my team type of guy. Like, I came in and done good with you. It'll be like, I wonder if there's going to be, like, an ego thing there. It's, both teams are, like, quite topside focused, but, like, in different ways where, like, it's not so much that, like, Wonder is, like, being, like, a carry threat or anything, but they do a lot, of, like, just actually in the area of, like, topside and, like, enabling it. And, you know, Kaiser's, like, roaming, like, a lot more. June's going a lot more. It's kind of weird. Now, this is a very big generalisation, but it's the easiest way to describe it. Fnatic are, are like the 2017 prototypal Korean teams where they play from bot to top, where they use bot lane advantages and then they try and convert them into like solo lane advantages um, to then do like obfuscate bad lane matchups because you can't lane swap and stuff like that. So like, you know, Oscar Inn will end up in these really like basically bad lanes that then he'll play even worse and uh, they'll expect the bot lane pressure of the, of the jungle and the support to like kind of like bail him out and it's then to utilize his like expertise and like team fighting and like side, mid game like side laning and incremental advantage advantage finding that he like does but this is all kind of like tied together in the fact of like Humanoid's been like a massive like pressure point. If you actually look at a lot of the lanes that he's been handed and the pressure absorption that he's been able to get. Now, you have examples on way where he like stays an extra wave and gets killed because of his own greed against uh, Jackie's with the Malkai out coming in. But then he plays like the Akali matchup into Saken. He has like the, the Azir game. He's like been like a real strong point. His way um, was still pretty gross, by the way. Like even given it was amazing, yeah. Mistake. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just and so like he's absorbing like a lot of pressure, but and then still having a massive effect on the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the problem is, is like we have seen this from like humanoid, and it's like how consistent is that to continually rely on? Because we've seen what happens to Fnatic when it he he absorbs the pressure and then doesn't have as good an effect on the game. So it's all fine and dandy being able to say he finds that, but those are like pretty big like expectations. And I was once I was talking about that I didn't think he was going to be able to bring to the league because he hadn't shown it to her for a while, and he has. I think him and Razork have been working together. I think you're, in my opinion, I think you're like kind of discrediting them. I don't think there's many mid-junglers right now in the league that are playing as well as Shumanoid and Razork together. Like the way they like collapsed on... Uh, BDS, Shio, the way they killed, yeah, um, well. yeah, killed Bo, yeah. the way they killed uh, Jackie's in mid lane on like the Tristana, those were like really well coordinated, and I don't think I, for me, I don't think there's that many people playing that well outside of Perks and Yankos, and so it's kind of going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, you know, both teams want their support out of the lane to like be doing things sometimes. Um, you know, uh, you've got a Draven picker and flat but then you've also got like a Callista player and uh, uh, Noah so it's going to be really interesting uh, to see the one way I can see this like kind of going astray and I, uh, I, I I'll be kind of interesting to watch is if um, 
G2 get their, sorry, G2 Fnatic get their hands onto like a long range like poke comp. For example, it's like Hui with a Varith backline with a Rel in front of it or a Poppy in front of it. I, I've not really seen Heretics produce um, an answer to that comp because it's really only Fnatic that kind of like play it. Like uh, the only other team that I thought tried to play it was like maybe Vitality, but they played it with a Zeraf and obviously like that mm. game was just disgusting. So it'll be kind of interesting moving forward. BTO on Zeraf is whoever's responsible for that should be in jail. Well, that whole draft was bad. You never pick two champions that want to be sat in mid lane at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's no, how I, you that, just lose like... so much. That like that was a whole load of issues with that. Yeah. Interesting, you mentioned like the whole like what happens if you maybe pick the poet comp versus heretics and stuff because I feel like actually the way that they've dealt with that outside of composition is. Make the focus a little bit more about like sinking waves and pushing side lanes. There've been a number of times where like Perks has actually been. I think Perks's side laning has actually been pretty good in regards to the value he gets when he sat there um, with people hovering his lane. Like they managed to take down outer turrets pretty easily in side lanes. So I, it, I would be interested to see if that ends up getting them a lot of value versus support comp that wants to really be a little bit more grouped at certain They've item not break played points. One. I've just checked there. They have not played against what I would describe. Yeah, as no, which is why I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's it's, yeah. it's a good, it's a, it's an interesting kind of like I suppose academic point where you think actually you know would they be able to just avoid the point of pressure, find one big play because actually I think that Kaiser and Yankos have been pretty good playmakers. I think that Perks has had probably the best like value per kind of um, resources he's been given that we've seen for a little while. I think Perks actually had a pretty good split so far. So yeah, you know, I'm interested to see if we get kind of like a um, a different stylistic answer into, into this team. You're just going to play Senna Seraphine. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. that, so that's great up until you get bought by three out and Corky on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And zero HP to play with. Humanoid has also been practicing uh, like the new like Corky the, the new like Corky stuff. Um, yeah, we're not obviously yeah. like, we've not got to like that up like that level of prevalence. One like one kind of cool thing right now is obviously like Kaiser showing like the Bard, and the other one is the how much preference towards Zin Zhao ha there is on Yankos, yeah. Yankos, right now for me, like, like obviously they they won the game against um KC and Yankos was on Jarvan. But I think he could have been playing Lulu Jungle that game and probably still won it. So I'm, I'm jesting. Oh, of wasn't course. it Spirit that um, used to play Lulu Jungle yeah, back I'm, in the I'm, day? Don't. That was a people. fun time. But um, Ivern before Ivern. Um, the yeah. what do you call it? So I'd be, I want to really see what like they kind of do when they're up against one of the top teams and what if they are like mm. this uh prevalence for like Zin Zhao. It does it. Does Noah play any of the Senna Seraphine plus X? Lens. I don't think so. Can't remember him at playing it now. He's an ADC. He's does. ADC. That boy. He's yeah. A... And hey, when like he plays the and he plays your Callista, Avelios, yeah. and your Zeri, and whatever the other one he has in there is Varus. Um, and that's kind of how I see him. But I think that's. I I think Jun is good, but I don't know if they're going to be able to punish bot lane as heavily. And then I am curious as to what the whole game plan is. I know that Razork is going to play heavily down there, but. Um, I think you can have Yankos match. I think Yankos is quite smart in the jungle at like tracking people. Um, and then I am curious, like even if you go for these pokes, like no joke. I mean, I could easily, if Sen is not banned, I could see them go back to Sen Seraphine. I don't want a Sona Seraphine. That shit looked awful. But um, yeah, I think there are like ways for them to play off of. And also I think Wonder is actually one of the decent, I'm not saying great, but decent duty players that we have. So you can work off of him having control on a top lane as well. 
Um, and I think they do just try and play for sides and then, or if they get to send a Seraphine, it's like, hey, you can go for these long range oak, but we're just going to try mm -hmm. and heal it out and then eventually get this super long range engage with Seraphine. So, um, what about yeah. the, that set of Seraphine into Nico? Because they've oh, shown yeah, the Nico that's support. How get, that's how you get a little yeah. bit engaged on. Yeah, true. Um, um, like, I think um, so. Actually, think about this again because I think I think you're right uh, in regards to, like the side lane play. That'd be very interesting in whether the Sona Seraphine comes out. On the whole, my read of like uh, Fnatic, particularly with the Oscar Inn point. Oscar Inn for me is like the point which I didn't expect to see playing at this level at this point in the year. I think he, you know, he. You think just before Worlds, this dude was having some off games, some good games. Uh, Wonder came in and people were like, oh my god, Wonder played really well. So like the the the, the stock value of Oscar Inn wasn't through the roof. It was okay, right? I bought loads of it. Huge amounts. No. I, I can't believe how much yeah. money I've made off it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that Oscar Inn is probably on an individual level. The, the top laner understands side lanes the best right now. And again, the SK game was a really interesting point where he managed to claw his way back into a game by actually quite savvy play of getting it in a turret. Now I just talked about perks being quite good at getting value out of side lanes. We have a mid laner that's pretty good uh, value out of side lanes. Top laner that's pretty good at value out of side lanes too. I'm very interested to see how they all kind of match up against each other should that become the play as well yeah i mean i'm personally hoping i know we've talked a lot about it that we're just not going to deal with any of this fucking seraphine senna bullshit yeah. malarkey and that one of these two teams bans it out because i think the game will be a lot more interesting and i think one misstep in draft and the game's just over for one side or another if that happens so yeah go on get doctor i think that's the interest like i feel like both these guys are basically having a standoff as to like how many bot laners are we banning? Because yeah. I don't think either <laughs> of these guys have a great champion pool. So it kind of becomes this like we have Sona, Ser Sona Seraphine as like one link for Flackett and the Draven is another link. But like if you ban Callista, Varus, Aphelios, what and what the fuck does Noah go to? Like I, I, I don't know. think he has champions. No, like, by the way, I, I know it's not spring yet. So like it's we've only got four turns left in the tech tree to like unlock it, but. <laughs> Jinx exists, by the way. I don't know if you know this. Like Jinx yeah. still like can uh, uses like rockets. I haven't seen it. I, I don't know that. She can still use object permanence. If it's not on my screen, but, it doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that, but I did was wasn't it Noah who like ran it on it last year? Or am I insane? Am I just missing? It? He did run like, it on it last year, but he has yeah. a dedicated Jinx player. He does play it. He just got hit with a sound cue that he couldn't see. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It happens. You know. Like the, the, you know, like these things these yeah. things happen to some of the the greats, you know. <laughs> um, like just uh, like uh, one more thing about this matchup, where I think it's slightly like fanatic, like favored, but not like massively so. B ones are volatile. Just out of curiosity, who what does anyone know the sides out of this? Like who's on what side? I've written it down as heretics versus fanatic, and I usually get it off the schedule, so I guess they're blue side. But I will just very quickly check. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. Mm, okay, uh, fair enough. It is. Well, Leak is net listing it as fanatic heretics, but oh, really? um, uh, I, but I don't know whether they have the correct info or whether it's random or whatever. No, because, it is, uh, yeah, no, sorry, it is fanatic heretics. It's fanatic of blue side. Because uh, right, <clears throat> Europe is actually split right down the middle in terms of um the. Uh, Oh, would you call it like the win rates? You know, like the win rates have like converged for them. So there isn't like a massive preference. It's more just like like teams and kind of what they want to do. And this is why I'm very like critical of Bo One League of Legends because like series play and like ha prepping multiple drafts on the day for being on specific sides and adapting is what like real League of Legends is. So I actually think this game's pretty open. Though I would give the kudos 
if the, over a longer period of like game replay, I think Fnatic would win out just due to flexibility. But well, I think this will be a really good game, like you're saying, Rich. Hopefully, um, if I think it's a lot closer. again to me, that is predicated on if this crap's banned out. Because as I said, I know I know Dag did like talked a bit about Noah's pool, but I think Flacid's effective pool isn't too big either. And I would like to see more owners put on getting rid of fucking Seraphine Senna nonsense because I do think that. Um, as I said, one one slight miscalculation in draft or you get slightly behind and it just takes over the game and I don't really want to see a game like this decided by that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we're not going to talk at all about Vitality this week. The, the reason just being that they had they went 0-3, then they went 3-0. I think their discussion is going to be much more interesting after this week. I'm pretty sure that they're, they're safe. They're not. I, I don't think they're going to get dragged in. One win in there. Um, but yeah, the last thing I wanted to ask ask you guys, or start with you, Doug, there, like on this, is who misses out? Is there anyone outside of the teams you've already talked about that could get dragged into something messy here, or do you think the playoff teams are kind of just playing for seeding at this point? Yeah, I think it's more seeding, honestly. Like, I think it will be Giant X Rogue or Carmine Corp, with more of an emphasis on Rogue <coughs> and Carmine Corp. That'll probably end up missing out. Um, like, I'm just, I think it's it's exciting as kind of Gary was saying. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys in an actual series set, setting for playoffs. Um, and I think, yeah, it's more just playing for seeding. But even the fact it's double a limb as well now for playoffs is sick. Because yeah. we'll get, like, multiple opportunities to see them and how they grow. Because um, I also, I do think we're also looking at a lot of teams that are fumbling their way through the start of this series our season sorry because of you know the patch being released late and you had some teams that figured out like even like senes Arafine, they've clearly been busted this whole entire time but no one has picked them up until they're kind of like, oh hang on a second yeah udir as well but like, practice no, yeah so i think there's a lot of teams still figuring it out and i think having best of series and giving them a bit more time i think will make things way more interesting so I, I think on that point as well, one of my real gripes with this uh, with this split so far is that the, the week one to week two change, I think, is also largely due to just like waiting to see what Trovi played in LCK. Mm. And I'm just sat there and I'm like, it, while it was the patch was publicly released a lot later, they did have like some time to practice on this. And there was, you know, before the games were played, I felt like there was some data going around around, you know, what was coming out of Korean APAC in-houses and stuff like that. Like, it took a lot, so we didn't have any of the double support items in week one. We didn't have, you know, a whole load of different champions, and they're slowly creeping away in. I'm quite worried that it's taken this long to adapt, because there's a lot of open stuff which is now prevalent now at this point. So, yeah, that was one of my big gripes coming into this, and I, I hope that we can finally start to settle on something and figure out the depths of it. Can I just say, G2 has actually got an interest in last week, where they've got giant x which is whatever they could be giant l but like they're playing fanatic and sk and they could actually kind of like prove themselves as the favorites with those like with, with decisive games over those teams like going into like playoffs because they'll have beaten bds sk gaming and fanatic going into and their losses will have been against teams that we think they're better than anyway so yeah. like you know i mean there is a potential for like a g2 to actually finish without the winning wreck with the winning record versus the top half, which is what I actually think matters more. I don't think a lot of it BO1s anyway, but like yeah. narratively, G2 could actually go and end. Oh, it was the NRG strong. thing. They'd lose against the bad teams and only win against top mm. teams. Yeah. But again, <laughs> it, it, to me, it's like you're the, the one of the obviously the biggest things about best of series is just adaptation. And I would trust G2. Like, even if G2 had lost a BO1 against whoever, there isn't a team in the league that I would favor over them, even if they went like. I mean, let's put it this way. If they went 0-3 this week, 
other than BDS, if they had to play them immediately, there's not another team that I wouldn't still favor them against in a best of series. So, you know. Um, and, and, and then I think the last thing is, right, we've got Giant X Rogue as the last game day yes. as well. So that, that's actually pretty legit. So Rogue have Kami Core and Giant X. So like, there's actually a world where actually we've been crapping on them too much and they're actually like just on an individual level better than them or something like that. And they prove that they should be in No, class. we shat on them enough in my opinion. <laughs> we, we did shit on them quite quite badly, but um, quite there was fairly, a chance for them to redeem something a little bit in this last week as well for them. Sure. All the Rogue fans will get really angry. That's like five guaranteed comments. Oh, Jesus, that's a bit generous. Anyway, um, have you met a Rogue fan? I haven't. Uh, anyway. I actually do have a jersey around here. Yeah, so, so do I, mate. He's me. I think, He's me. Yeah, I think, I think there's of course I know him. three or four of them in uh, this call. Uh, this was actually an unofficial fan meetup. Uh, it's Obi-Wan Kira. Yeah, there you go. See you He's guys. like taking off the hood in the Tatooine desert. Yeah. Oh, Rogue fan. That's not a name I've heard in a long time. <laughs> So yeah, we will of course meet up for the annual convention next year as well, if the org still exists. Uh, spoiler, it but probably won't. But if 33 and uh, still playing for them, you know. You must go to the Malmo system and find teachings from Lord Oduamne. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you all for watching. That'll be it for this week. And uh, we will see you next you time. You just Star Wars outro. <laughs>